Ooh, that looks tasty. Support for Boards and Brews comes from Sovereignty. Play board games in a 3D environment on any device. Play smarter. Welcome, folks. Today, the Hungry Gamer is back with another episode of Boards and Brews. And today, I am joined by Patrick Hepner, one half, dare I say, the better, more attractive half of the Level Up Board Game podcast. And before we jump into anything, the first thing we have to talk about is what is your brewed beverage today, sir? Oh, just coffee. Uh, just so my wife travels for work and every now and then she'll bring home a coffee from somewhere and uh, she's working in DeKalb. I don't know. It's somewhere in what Michigan. Where are you working? She's not listening. You put that in the outtakes. So. Wow, we, 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 we went off. That is the fastest we've gone off track. Yep. Ever. Um, so just coffee from DeKalb, maybe Michigan. Somewhere around there, but uh, she'll bring him a coffee, and it's a, it's like a white chocolate cherry coffee, which I don't care for flavored, but this one's actually really, really good. So glad to have it, and it'll keep me up through through all this. Uh, and as, it's late here in Pennsylvania. Yeah, it's uh, oh, it's almost it's almost ten p.m. there. We're getting there, and it's cold there, so that makes it much feel much later. I'm sure. It got cold and, early this year. No, thank you. And so I have a just a Fort Point. KSA, which I usually have on this, keep trying to get them to sponsor me because it's a local brewery and they keep mm-hmm. not doing it. Oh, first the the, the rapid fire questions everybody sure. gets the first time they come on, and that is, who the crap are you? What is your channel? What is your shtick? And how and why did you get started reviewing board games? Oh, okay. Well, uh, who are we? We're the Level Up Board Game Podcast. We, uh, we've been around only for a year now. It'll be uh, officially one year and 13 days from the time of recording. So we are, uh, well, relatively new. And, and I keep saying that, but a year in, I'm like, wow, we're, we're well established compared to some of the faces and names I'm seeing. But uh, very young, very new to it. We have uh, 40 episodes produced so far. And uh, I am, as you said, one half of the show, the other half being my, uh, my co-host, uh, Scott Walton. King Scott, as we call him, he plays the role of the king at the Renaissance Festival. And, uh, uh, you know, what? we wanted to put together a show. And, and Scott was someone that I knew that I, you know, could trust to have really solid input on games. So, so Scott, show up every it week. was. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So uh, uh, who are we level up board game podcast? And that is our channel. So the shtick, that's where things get kind of interesting. Well, we... Okay, so I'm playing board games with with this group that I like to call the Lobsters. We worked at a certain seafood restaurant with lobster in the title. We were all waiters there, and uh, you know I'd have them over for board games. And every month or every every couple of weeks, sometimes we'd get together, we'd play, and I'm listening to other podcasts because in my spare time, now that my wife brings home the bacon, she said, "You stay at home." It's like okay, I fix up rental properties. We have a couple of houses and plumbing, drywall, all that stuff. It takes a lot of time. So I put on podcasts while I'm working on these houses and I start thinking, you know what? I could do this. Or you ever find yourself, you're listening to a show in the car and they'll, they'll say something and you kind of start arguing with your radio. You're like, no, no, it's because you're playing it wrong. You're not supposed to do it that way. You should have gone this way. And you start to think, well, why couldn't I do this? Now, you know, I'll be the first to admit, neither Scott nor I are, are, are pros at this. You know, we haven't played every game. I feel like we have a lot of listeners that think that we know a lot more than we actually do. Well, you know? as, as apropos to what we were talking about, we, we sent each other 
I don't know, between the two of us, a list of 30 games. Mm-hmm. And um, there was one we had both played. <laughs> so clearly neither of us actually know what we're doing. We played a few more on each of our lists, I think. But it was like, okay, what's one that we can both speak to in some sort of depth? And that's why I went with the, I went with a safe one when I picked the one that I did. I won't spoil that. We'll save that for later. So the original idea was I was going to... Uh, have the lobsters join me. And I was the most, we'll say, fluent in board gaming. They were like the games that they had played, they had played because I had showed them how to play. Beyond that, it was okay. They've played Risk, Monopoly, some of your standard fare. Maybe one of them had played Catan. And they've since played a lot on their own, you know, that I haven't introduced them to. But I thought, okay, we're going to make our show level up. Kind of like an RPG type thing where we're all level zero gamers and join us on the journey. And our, our shtick to get to the, the meat of the question was going to be, you know what, if, if you're listening to a show now, you hear someone who's been in the, we'll say in the industry for 10 years. And when they talk about a game, they say, oh, it's a lot like Seven Wonders, but you mix in the mechanics from this game and, you know, incorporate a little bit of pressure luck, like what you see in insert another game. And I'm like, well, you know what, if I'm brand new to gaming, maybe I've only been gaming for a year, this doesn't relate to me. It'd be kind of cool to have a show that's new people. Yeah, we're probably not going to be attracting someone that's been gaming for forever, but there's a lot of new board gamers in the last few years. And I thought, well, this would be a nice way to target them and sort of, you know, have them join us on the ride. Like, you know, I played this and I got in a win. I leveled up. So we had some we'll say some some grandiose ideas with where we wanted to take that and uh, learned really quickly that it's hard to get four people with four different microphones in one room and have the sound quality work and have the the content consistent every two weeks. Uh, long story short, that didn't work. So it was mulligan time. And I was like, okay, who do I know? King Scott, of course, King Scott. So, hey, Scott, <laughs> what do you think about? And he's like, I'm in. So, you know, Scott and I, we, we met up. I mean, we, I have to assume that, that you know, as he's royalty, you had to send your butler with a um, <laughs> pillow and white gloves with the invitation on mm-hmm. that, as well, I assume. I arrived on a, on a Clydesdale to his castle and he made me kiss his ring before he would agree to do any of this. Uh, now, he, he was on from, from the get-go and you know, like I, I think I, I don't know if we got it on record or not, but he's been gaming a lot longer than I have and a lot more different styles of games. So I thought, you know what, this is going to be perfect. Um, so the shtick kind of became, well, we still have this really cool Nintendo-like music. We're still going to play the RPG. So we've since picked up a couple of contributors and they're, you know, once the Archmage, we have a king, we have an Archmage, we have an Explorer. Uh, Scott said, I'm going to be just Patrick. So I'm just Patrick. I don't get a cool title, but we use like old, like you need a dung merchant. (laughs) Like Scott, I'm not going to be the dung merchant. I hope he doesn't listen. You need one. (laughs) What were there actually merchants? How would you sell that? (laughs) Well, I mean, I assume you, you have a cart and you fill it with dung and you have your pitchfork and you have, you know, someone who's even lamer than you, who you say, Hey, Fred, Loaded into his wagon. I don't know. Well, that's the king. He should know. I guess the the shtick now, what with Scott being on the show, is more that we wanted to sort of embrace the idea that not everyone that listens to podcasts knows of of the the, the big backlog of games that some of the the we'll say better, you know, the the podcasts that quite frankly have been doing it a lot longer uh, and are far more interesting than us uh, talk about. So we 
wanted to make this show like we're going to talk about new games, but we're going to talk about old games and we're going to talk about really old games and we're going to talk about upcoming games just a little bit in each. Then we got Andrew on board and Andrew incorporates uh, the Academy segment. He gives us a little bit of like a history in the game. He actually, uh, he has his own website. He's from aspermyability.com. He's been working uh, on getting a, a podcast up and running. He's working on a book as well. So we're glad to have him. My friend, Josh from down in North Carolina, the Southern part of North Carolina or the Northern part of South Carolina. He hopped on board. He wanted to do the lost loot segment. So he does uh, games that, you know, they're outside of the top 1000 on BGG, something that you're not going to hit, like give you an idea with lost loot. I came to a point where I have three or four big podcasts. I don't know if I, if you want me to say names, but like so everybody's heard the dice tower. Everybody's heard uh, secret cabal. If you like podcasts, shut up and sit down has their podcast. Ooh, you know what? I've had people from two out of those three on this show. Okay, they're excellent. I am a listener. I subscribe. I, I love their shows. But there are times where, and listeners, you've had this, you've had this happen where you have your podcast that you super like, and their episode comes out on a Tuesday, and they're going to talk about unfathomable. You're like, oh, okay, that's cool. And then the next day it's uh, you know, blue peg, pink peg, and let's oh, well, they're doing unfathomable too. Uh, all right. And then the next day, your other podcast is doing what do you know? It's unfathomable again. Like they all want to get that. Oh, what's the hot game? What's the hot game? And I don't blame them. You know, we try and do that too. I'm just like, you know, we want to also be this show. That's like our first review was shadows over Camelot. We're going way, way back. Like, Hey, you know, if you just join gaming, if you're new to this hobby, here's one that you might want to want to look at. And it's not always the barrage of here's what's new. So we wanted to play up that shtick. And then we end each episode with here's how I leveled up be it in gaming or in real life, so that we could somehow tie in the name of the show. And, and you know, I'm going to share this with you. I don't know if you, you, you've seen this before, but it made me think of it. You know, so you started level zero. Have you ever heard of the webcomic Goblins? I have not. Well, it's worth, I haven't looked at it in years, but it's worth checking out. The whole premise is a bunch of Goblins, like, we're tired of dying. Let's take a class level. By, by taking go. player class levels, we're now heroes, and now we can't die. And it goes from there. So you, you made me think of it. Similar idea. Yeah, we're new to this. We're not great, but, you know. You know, they, 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 they go through in and, the journey. Yeah, they, they, you know, of course, there's webcomic. Like, they meet the guy named Min Max, who, you know. Of course. <laughs> is they, well, like, we're only level, you're only level two. How can you do this? Oh, no, I gave it my ability to read so I could get an extra feat. You know, like. <laughs> <laughs> stuff like that really uh, fast now because i can't read yeah so <laughs> check that out yeah, so that's uh, just one of the uh things that that i appreciate because there are there are times when everyone's talking about the same thing and as i go through well I, I i do the same thing you do i listen to a lot of podcasts but every now and then i'll, I'll jump over and i'll listen to an audiobook for a while i'll get one mm -hmm. from the library libraries have great audiobook programs but you only get them for two weeks and if it's a book that's popular if you don't finish, you're waiting for a very long time mm -hmm. sometimes to get it back. So, you know, I, but then when I come back, after I finish a book, then I'll have this like four episodes of everything. And you'll kind of go through and be like, huh, I really care about that game? Nah, I don't care <laughs> nah. <about it>. Skip, <laughs> skip, skip. Um, so it's, uh, but, it, but at the same point, someone's like, oh, look, they're talking about, and I know you, everyone was talking about Unfathomable for a bit. Um, for good reason but, or, or or and uh, Ankh Ankh is the other one mm -hmm. that um, boy everyone just wants to talk about that 
Have you guys talked about that yet? You know what? It's funny. We have it and we've played it a few times. We have not talked about it yet. Um, we also kind of like this concept of, you know, if somebody's, if the game came out two days ago and somebody's episode came out today, now I know, you know, we get previews, we get to play things on TTS, we th see things ahead of time, but we do try and make it an issue to not play a game two or three times before talking about the game. So it, something like Carnegie, which was on BGA, was relatively new, but we got to play it a dozen times before we could speak to it and kind of give our, our input on it. So eventually we'll probably get to Ankh, but probably after it's been out for a year or so, so that we can I tell it. Like, you talk about it the next two weeks. You know, everybody's got an opinion on, on the, the merch dung mechanic, merchant, for example. <laughs> is calling me and demanding. Well, like, I don't know if I like the merge or not, I want to play it like half a dozen more times, a dozen more times with different people and then kind of make that conclusion. Okay. I've had this, you know, I had the first bite, I had the middle and I finished it. Now I can speak to it and say how you, you I need feel to about take it. it. You need to take it to PAX and just play with random dudes. I shouldn't say dudes, random people, but probably mostly dudes, unfortunately. Why is that? Why, why should I play? Because with I don't want to play that game with people. I don't know. Because people will get mad. Like, you don't want to be in last. <laughs> people are going to get mad. And I want to see you have to deal with that. Oh, geez. Have to put from up another table. As I watch, and then, you know, when the table starts, like, oh, there's the merge. Well, thanks. I feel very welcome here. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. <laughs> I want you to host it. So you have to right. be gracious. You get in on the game with me. I know, I know you're not traveling to PAX. That's way too far. But uh, I am. You're going to be at PAX? I am dinner yeah i won't be there I'm, till I'm friday i found out i can't it. make it thursday night uh, i actually have to pick up my wife from the airport so I, i'm gonna come out on friday and uh got a place to stay with scott it's gonna be a blast does, does it actually start on thursday no but there's a mixer of some sort thursday night and uh, scott's out there for work actually he's he's an actor along with the king and uh, oh, he's I got an airbnb he for like i'm an a actor week as well i just closed the show really well, I'm I'm not an actor. Yeah, why why are you here? Where is Scott? Call Scott. I know. You know what else? He does voice work. So he does yeah, you know, like he's done an audio book, for example. And he, you know, you can download and listen to books that Scott Walton's on. So you really didn't get the better half today. <laughs> <laughs> um well you know well, you know what this means though. So it means I'm gonna have to get your voice in on some of the voiceover intros I do, just so you can rub it in that kingly face. I'll tell Scott. Yeah, and you know what? You can send me a check for any amount greater than a penny so that I can be like, I got paid for it too, Scott. Let him know I got some paid work. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a quarter at PAX. Let's jump into the actual first next part of this, which is what game or games have you been playing lately? And then the second part is going to be what's on your table right now. You may not have played it yet, but so two-parter. We'll start with what have you been playing Thanks. lately? I got a couple. I'm sure you got a couple. Okay. Uh, do you want me to, are, are we diving in and, and talking about the game and giving listeners an idea want. of what's going on? Well, I should have prepped this a little bit better. I know it's um, embarrassing. You know, I bet Scott would have. <laughs> okay. He would have. Uh, he would have hired someone to write him a script so he could, you know. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> uh, well, I've been playing a game. Have you ever played QE, quantitative easing? I have not. It sounds way too smart for me. Uh, it's not that smart, but it's phenomenal. We had a board game. We had a meetup. We've been doing meetups for the podcast in the Pittsburgh area. And uh, so far, we've had a lot of success with them. But part of that is that you have to kind of take uh, smaller footprint games that people can pick up quickly that, you know, I don't have to teach this. Like, I'm not going to take 
Eclipse to the meetup and expect to actually have a good, solid, fun game. Well, just tell everyone to watch the 40 minute how to play video. Simple, right? Well, I took QE and uh, QE, this is boards and table. Uh, I don't have board game tables. I'm not going to try board game tables. They did QE. They did um, uh, on tour. Did they do on tour as well? I don't know. They also do tables, I hear. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they did this game and it's a good one. So how does it work? It's uh, it's an auction game. And I actually thoroughly like auction games. And the idea is that you play as world powers bailing out companies. So you can play with up to five people. Somebody can be the US, the UK, etc. And the way the game works, you're gonna have the stack of tiles. We're playing with five. So I'm just going to go with that. And you have the stack of tiles that have a point value and an industry and a country. So if I'm playing as America, I want to be bailing out American uh, American companies. So if I flip up a tile and it's worth three points, they're all one to four. So you can gauge the value of a company based on that scale. It's a three-point company and it's America. I might want that a little bit more than someone else. Because at the end of the game, you're going to fill out your sheet and you're going to, how many American companies did you get? Well, you don't get any bonus for the first one, but the second one, you get six extra points. And the third one, 10 extra points. So you're incentivized to get companies from your own country. That's neither here nor there. The way the game works is I am the auctioneer and I flipped up that card. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to write down on my little placard with dry erase, USA placard. I'm going to write how much am I willing to bid on this company? I can bid whatever I want. We all have bottomless pockets. So I might write down $10. I might write down $10 billion. And I thought, okay, I know how to play this game. These folks don't. So I'm going to start it simple. I'm going to write down $500. Everybody else blind bids. They write on their card and then they hand it to me face down. So I get to see what everyone else is willing to bid. Now, inevitably, somebody outbid my 1500 So you always see somebody has 1501 somebody has uh, $3,000. Maybe there's a wackadoo at the table that bid 10000 Well, I know that Joe's willing to bid 10000 Mary only bid one, $1 higher than me. I know that. So I kind of get an idea. And all I do is I take that company token. It's a dry erasable token in the middle. My America wore three points. Flip it up and I'm going to write 10,000. Then face down, I'm going to hand it to Joe. Nobody knows what he bid. They just know that they didn't win. So Mary's going 1501. That wasn't enough. And then Carl that bid 3,000 is like, well, 3,000 didn't win. Then after we're done, I pass the auctioneer token and Carl's up. So he flips a, a token. And what am I going to do? You know what I'm going to bid? He says, I'll bid uh, 2000 on this company. So I write down on my card, 1 million. We all slide it to Joe or Carl face down. He looks at them and you see his eyes. He goes, picks up the token, writes down 1M, slides it to me. So you have your tracking of what companies you've acquired, the points that they're worth, and everyone can see that because you have all of the tokens. And then at the very end of the game, you're going to go around the table doing this with several companies in a five-player game, three times around the table. So 15 companies are going to go. At the end of the game, whoever spent the most money, they're out. They lose. They cannot win. So you can't win if you spent the most. Get your stuff off the table. Everyone left, they're going to see who got the most points. And there's a, a means of doing that. Like I said, it incentivizes getting your own companies or certain industries. It's not complicated, though. The real meat of the game is he just found out I'm willing to bet a million dollars. I'm willing, uh, willing to bid a million dollars on this company. Holy crap. So what happens when the next guy is up? Carl, who initially was bidding three grand, now he's bidding $1.1 million. And that guy finds out about it. So you get to kind of play mind games. You only get fed information when you're the auctioneer. uh, And you only know what you bid 
and if it was enough. So after my big bid, maybe the next one I write 2 million and I still don't win. Oh, somebody, somebody's in the game now. They're, they're getting up there in the millions. By the end of the Sri game, Lanka bidding billions of dollars. Oh, by the end of the game, I'm telling you what, it's, you just see like zeros on people's cart, like I'll bid four quadrillion. <laughs> like the numbers get absurd, but you start to find out like, okay, I bid 7 million and I didn't win. Mary won that one. So I know that she has spent at least 7 million. I haven't spent that much. As long as I stay under that amount, I know that I won't be the one who busts. If somebody else wins a company in the meanwhile, they probably bid more than 7 million. Now I got to get in the game because you can't win if you're not winning companies. So if you're constantly just going, what's the auctioneer bid plus one, well, you can't win. You're not going to get any companies in front of you. So you're not going to have any points. Fantastic game. It plays uh, with five people. It plays in 15 or 20 minutes. I don't think anybody was disenchanted with the game when we were done. It was a hit. Uh, we played it three times at this meetup and I had four different people each time. Hit, hit, hit. And you know what? For a simple game, Scott and I like to uh, to visit simple games as our feature review per episodes. I could see doing QE. Quantitative easing is one of our feature reviews because there, there is a lot more to it that is simple to understand, but the game is so in the brain that I think it's one that I think he and I could talk for a while about strategy if it's there and yeah, some of you the... could just stop there he and i could talk for a while oh yeah no we could talk for forever on that <laughs> yeah well i hope you bring it to pax then maybe i'm going by train i don't know how much i'm allowed to take on a train <laughs> uh, just bring it you know just put it in your backpack you it's know, a small play one it over uh, some beers right if it's dry race that means it's waterproof right that's a good point yeah i think the whole well it's a dry race on cardboard i wouldn't test it fine this podcast is over. Well, I have not been playing simple things. I've been, I've had, on had been previous week. I've been playing a lot of simpler stuff because I put out my game of the year nominees, and three of them were very well, not very, but but lighter games. I've been playing the Davalier, which is an auction game that you'd probably love. I've mm-hmm. been playing Land vs. Sea, this tile laying game that's a lot of fun, and Furnace, and I've been playing a whole bunch of those as I'm trying to rank my 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 top six I and mean, i got some heavier ones i'm just starting to get get into the retesting but at heart i'm a big dungeon crawl guy okay like that's that's my first love far before euros i wouldn't touch a euro i was like i don't want to do anything with sheep and crops <laughs> like or crops of sheep like, i don't need that nonsense and then i was introduced to the more thematic euros and changed mm-hmm. my life but so first, I, I played a lot of a game, an older dungeon crawl called Galaxy Defenders. And I've talked about it on the podcast a couple of times. It is the precursor to Sword and Sorcery, which you know is pretty popular. I don't like it nearly as much. And it's just, you know, aliens are invading, and you're the lucky batch of humans going out there to save everybody. And it's just... And the galaxy. Yeah, it's just, it's just great. It's, you know, a little bit schlocky. You're just chucking dice everywhere really hard maybe harder than it should be and you know there's a the scenario that i just played through it ran a little bit long it's one of those like i survived 15 rounds I'm like man just make it <laughs> 10 rounds that would have been better because you know i'm i'm playing this by myself and so i got all five characters out there so i'm like you know a lot of work. hands reaching all over a lot of maintenance. yep yeah which is great fun had a blast because you know we had our well you just, we talked about my school teacher so i had you know time off you know few days mm-hmm. off from school so i did that and then i immediately put that away and put madara back on the table 
which is the it's a like a, an anime yeah oh, huge like I yeah you got to put on the brace to lift it to yeah. put it on the table there it is <laughs> yeah right, right here it's a 20 pound box and it's just you know story heavy and i was just playing that you know with like four scenarios of that and i've talked to, we've had a whole podcast episode on that one but mm-hmm. again lots of dice but really crunchy really heavy story and just many people say it's the best dungeon crawl out there and i don't I didn't rank it as my best, but I haven't finished it. Okay. And there, I mean, I've now played, I don't know, 30 hours worth, and I'm maybe a third, maybe? Oh, geez. Through well, that, the that first can be a good three thing. campaigns. I mean, it's not a cheap game. You want to get a whole bunch of game out, out of it for the price. And, uh, yeah. you know, I, that's an expectation, I would say. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's just, just it's, it's great. I mean, if, if, if you like those kinds of games, you can get your hands on it, then it's great. Um, and I've decided, you know, that so I they were kind enough to send me a copy of that. Mm-hmm. You know, I reviewed that a while ago, and now I'm trying to finish the whole campaign so I can then go throw all my money away when they reopen the pledge manager for the rest of it. Yep. And I'm told that there's an all-in-one box. And just as a reminder, as a, for people who are actually watching, not listening, this is a big, very big box. So I don't know how you take three times this stuff and put it into one box. It's and a suitcase. It. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be the like refrigerator the box. That's how they do it. Yeah, it's going to be like <laughs> the, the trove chest from too many bones and it'd just be impossible to lift. Yep. But so the, those are the, the two things that I've been playing the most lately. And I finally, so that's what I usually do with the dungeon crawl. I set it on the table for like three days. Mm-hmm. And every day I'll play like one mission or one scenario and just leave it because that's the hardest part about those games is the setup because there's a even when I've organized them, there's a bazillion little baggies of, you know, well, this is this and this is this. And mm-hmm. I have all these different, all the, the, the stuff. I, the blessing of doing the, re- the video reviews for a while is I start getting sent. I've been being sent things to review that are uh, components and like component upgrades. Nice. Like I have, uh, I'm going to reach over and grab this thing. Like this one's actually going to come with me to uh, uh, the convention. It's a collapsible dice tower. Hey, look at that. Yeah, it like, you know, it's I thought Clever. that's the dumbest thing I ever heard of, but let me tell you, this thing is great. You're using it. I it's yeah. on your table. Yeah. Oh, uh, and now now to to fulfill the review thing, it's from Geek On. Uh but you know, all, all these um things and so with all these different toys and organizers, like I have this whole system that I set up, you know, I got like dry erase tokens to do this and <laughs> it's like a whole thing. But that takes time. So it's taking you, I speak like half an hour to set this whole thing up. I'm not playing that once. <laughs> it's nice to have a table that you can leave it out on. Uh, you know, for me, I, I actually had a copy of Madara that I ended up moving on from. I got it cheap from, from my dealer, Tiny Fred out here, <laughs> who I hope uh, catches wind of this. I'll send him a link when the video is up. Tiny um, Fred is clearly the dung merchant. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> he's 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 a respectable uh gentleman now he um, merchanting is a respectable profession and i will thank you to stop slagging them off please or if they've all clicked all the dung merchants have left the video now he uh he sold me a copy of madara and it's the kind of game i think for me with the dungeon crawl i get it in my mind like i get this nostalgia thing about uh being a kid and playing hero quest and oh you know i'm gonna get the group together and we're gonna we're gonna play this game we're gonna do two campaign games and then we're gonna get back together the next week and we're gonna do two more and for me i think the 
the indulge, like indulging in the fun of it, and you're shaking your head, and you know exactly where I'm going with this, is that you can't. And it's not even, oh, we have a podcast. We got to come up with more material for the show. No, I'll do three episodes in a row on one game. If we, you know, like we're not beholden to anyone, we don't have sponsors or, or a Kickstarter. Like there's no backers that we need to fulfill that we're putting out a, a stream of good content. We can put out whatever we want. Right. So I, it's not that I'm not able to, it's that no one that I know is able to like, how am I going to get the same group of say three people over every Saturday. Uh, and even if I could, well, I told you when, before we got started, you know, a six-year-old, like, no, oh, we got family, we got work. Uh, I love dungeon crawls for the concept of a dungeon crawl. But I find lately, like, I spoke to Alter Quest uh, on the show. I soloed Alter Quest. Street Masters isn't as much of a, of a dungeon crawl, but kind of. It's just yeah. a different theme. It, you could theme it as goblins and you know skeleton warriors, and, and you've got a dungeon crawl. I soloed that one too. Sometimes Scott and I will get the chance to play a little bit of one. We started earlier this year with uh, Jaws of the Lion, and we're like, yeah, we're going to be the show that actually, you know, we don't say the oh, we're a show, so we had to move on to different things. So we played six games. We're going to actually finish it. Yeah, we still haven't. <laughs> we, no, well, we still have like it, it seven took, games uh, to it, go. I see Scott every week, and we still can't seem to, to no, get back you, into you, it. You can't do it. Like, if you're going to do it with a group as adults, mm-hmm. like it's going to be over a long period of time. Like, we, we yes. finished Gloomhaven, and it took two years or, or more, and we beelined right through the story we didn't know we were doing that but we did we we took like one like there's this website somewhere where you get like all the branching narratives and stuff and so we looked at it afterwards and we went went over one came back went straight (laughs) through it and we're doing jaws of the lion now yeah and you know i don't know we're maybe nine ten in and it's been a year you know, that's we'll, about where Scott and I are. Yeah, you know, we'll we'll, we'll finish it eventually because you know, we're enjoying it. But like, you gotta just be willing to kind of go through it. Like, we just finished Betrayal Legacy. There you just go. with another group, and it it we started before the pandemic, and we just finished. That is oh, a geez. twelve game thing. Well, having the pandemic, I'm sure, didn't help either. Well, right, right, yeah, but you know, so just oh, you can't. Like I, I play them. I play them by myself. Sometimes there's some of them my wife will play. Like mm-hmm. it's simple and just silly and fun. Um, one of the ones I love called a uh, Wander the Cult of Barnacle Bay. It's just very lighthearted and chucking dice. And you know, my wife likes to play that one because you just throw dice, you're smashing stuff. You get to play a polar bear with a giant hammer. Like <laughs> nice. Yeah. Who doesn't want to do that? I'll be a polar bear. Yeah. Yeah. With a big old hammer. Why not? So. But most of them, you know, just you won't. Like I, I played through all of, all, not all of it. I did a, the expansion campaign, soloed that one by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but if you can't, and I also, I left that on the table because my wife was gone, had to be out of town for about uh, uh, 10 weeks um, oh, wow. around uh, last uh, uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas. So I was, you know, and that was part of the pandemic. So I was by myself. I was like, you know what? I got my little game table back here, my own room. So I left one game set up here and we got a, we got this huge table to like entertain. We can get yeah. eight, maybe even 10 people at this table. Pandemic. That ain't going to happen anytime soon. So I had, <laughs> I had three different games just sitting. Oh, that's that awesome. Table. And then I had to go find somewhere else to eat when I wanted to eat. I was like, no, this is happening. We'll play all these games. I can see you shopping for this now. And you see this giant table and you're like, I could play so many games on that. You, I, and I can see you trying to sell your wife on the idea 
we can entertain, we can have big dinners. You, you know, know what? what you were doing. She brought it up. She said we can do all this stuff. And when we have people <laughs> over to play a big group over to play games, we have that there too. And she was even looking at a game topper for that. And then I was like, I don't know if we need all that. So we just got like a big nice little neoprene mat to like roll out on the table. So well done. She she she, she your supports tricks. my uh uh <laughs> my habit as long as I keep finding ones for her to play that she she enjoys and I don't the and I don't ruin her plan. Let me tell you, she gets angry for playing a game. She's got a plan she's been working on. If I ruin it, nope. there is like she won't flip I'll the table. No fury, because it's heavy. <laughs> but if she, if, if 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 you know, it was a lighter table, or she hit the weights for you know three weeks or so, that table would be flipped. What else have you been playing? Anything else you've been playing lately? Um, yeah, well, I, I could go relatively new or relatively old. Well, not relatively. Well, let's go with the older. It's it's my favorite game. I had the opportunity to get Twilight Imperium fourth edition to the table. That's and I bring right. this I up. Listen to your thing, and yes, I'm going to pause. I'm I'm going to I'm going to pause it. And I, not, not <laughs> I've never played. That's okay. A lot of people um, haven't. And the the reason I never played is the length. Mm -hmm. Like I just, boy, I just can't get into it. But story i like to tell is me and my buddy uh people who listen to the podcast watch the know as streamline matt he and i were at a local convention a little one and we were leaving you know how you go to the conventions you stay late you know as late as you can if you're like i am i'm old i have to go home and go to sleep yep yep. you know but but you go you get there and magically you're like 10 years younger for three days like a little you can kid it's so we were leaving 11 30 midnight Maybe midnight 30. I don't know. People, there were seven people just setting up Twilight Imperium. They won't get done in time for breakfast. And I will never forgive myself for not going in there immediately when I got back in the morning to see if they were still there. What time did you get back in the morning? Nine. They may have. They may have. And I imagine, you know, being all groggy and tired, they probably weren't whizzing through that game. Yeah, so... But but so you so you got Twilight Imperium and you know and mm -hmm. I'll give the brief set for it because I listened to the episode about this. Never go go yeah. check out the episode where, where they talked about this. But he did they did the research. Uh, uh, Patrick made them watch videos on their yes. factions, hour Absolutely. two hour long videos. Yeah. Made them take notes, gave them not tests to make bad. sure they actually watched it, <laughs> and they got together for a whole day to play this thing. Go ahead. And this one was actually by request of one of my friends. He said, hey, we should try and make, make this happen. You know, if you and, set um, aside what, a day, what, what we'll What were come. his exact words he said before you took the gun away from his head? <laughs> Please don't kill me. <laughs> oh, my. No, we, uh, I introduced them to Twilight Imperium a, a couple of years ago after fourth edition came out. And uh, that lobster group, it was a hit to the extent that the second time that we played it, then one of them said to me, he's like, if you just want to play Twilight Imperium from now on, when we come over, I think we'd be okay with that. They're like, don't get us wrong. We love playing the other games, but this is just absurdly good. Like it's a game that does require the right group. You know, it is not for everyone and it is very lengthy, but we were willing to do that. We were doing our game days roughly like, like 11 to seven. So there'd be food, drinks, everybody brings snacks and just play. I didn't make them watch a two hour video. I put it up as an option. A couple of them knew how to play uh, in our eight player game. We played with Prophecy of Kings. It's the expansion. You know, nobody believes you didn't make them watch those videos. 
Uh, well, I sent them to them. They all told me that they watched them, but I get the feeling that none of them did. Uh, so we, we were playing with uh, Prophecy of Kings, which allows for eight players. And uh, the way that I set it up was through a, a Facebook group. I actually made a group for it, and I invited these eight people so that I could update as uh, as we got closer to the date. I could post the video so that, like, for my two friends who are they're big video gamers, but I've never had them over for board games before. I don't know how they're going to receive this. They both expressed interest. So I was like, yeah, you know what, if you want to try it, it's not easy. It's a long day. Like I let them know what they were up against. They were like, I want to do that. They actually did really well with the game. Yeah, and you're like, yeah, and and, and if if you're too weak for it, that's okay. Yeah, if your bloodline is weak, you don't have to come over. It's fine, it's fine. The the, the dirty secret of Twilight Imperium is that it is not that hard a game to grasp. Um, the, The central mechanic, you have these eight action cards. Well, let's start here. There's 24 different races in the game. So eight different people, you're going to have eight different races that are being played. And obviously, you know, who's sitting to your left and who's sitting to your right, they're going to be closer to your faction's slice of the, the map pie. So it, you know, every game is going to be different just based on that alone. They have different starting technologies. There is a tech tree. There's some, oh, geez, uh, 24 plus the 10, probably 34 different technologies that you have to work with. Some of them are different uh, for each faction so you have faction specific technologies i don't have to go on and on about the the asymmetry of twilight imperium what it brings to the table but i think maybe something to highlight was that we had two new players and we had uh, one or two that had only played it once before so i try and give them like a hey watch this video it's 42 i think it's 42 minutes you're not going to get it like third 10 minutes in you're going to be cross-eyed like you know, with, with the drool coming down and it's just going to sound like this guy's rambling, but you'll hear some of these things. And when you get here, I'll do a brief overview and trust me, trust me, you guys play these video games that are more, I don't play video games anymore because I play it one night. By the time I get back to it the next night, I don't remember what any of the controls do. And I'm like, if you guys can handle that, you can handle this. There are eight different actions that you select. And most, uh, if most all of them are, I get to do this everybody else has the option of doing that so by the end of round one especially in an eight player game every player has seen all eight of the primary actions happen they've seen what they do they've seen that secondary portion of it and you go around the table so if i'm the new guy and i'm three away that guy's using technology he gets to research a tech and everyone else can spend resources to do it well i get to see that guy spend resources to do it and then i get to see that Okay, and they're getting a technology from their technology. Oh, I can handle this. Do I have enough? Oh, easy. And by round two or three, when they've done all of these things, or at least seen them all two or three times, it's no problem. Now, you're going to run into new things. By then, it's too late. They've already (laughs) lost. No, no. Well, to an extent, probably, but... I will make it an issue. And and I said to them, no, no, no. They lost before they came into my house. (laughs) If you're brand new and you're going to, now we're not, not sharks the game we're not professional you know we don't play this game on tts or anything we've only played it uh, say four or five times the ones of us that were more experienced but you know we will give suggestions i'll say to new guy steve like okay steve here's your you know turn one your best bet you're gonna want to make sure that you take some planets just give those little like hand holding things and then by round two or three Steve, I still have some ideas for you, but I don't want to play your game. You know, if you ever want a hint, just let me know. You know, so like you let them know you're not alone, but I also don't want to. And then you wait until you're about to crush them. And uh, then you're like, (laughs) you want some suggestions? (laughs) Let me just recommend that you just uh, uh, turn your fleet, your guns to face 
Scott. Now, I, I know you have been in a position where you have the perfect play, where you can take advantage uh, of the person that you're teaching or one of the newbies at the table. And it's like, I should do this, but I can't because I've been trying to help them this whole time. And they're going to think that I set them up for me to swoop in. So I'm just not going to do that. Yeah, well, we're, we're going to talk about that a little bit later when we get to our topic. So yes, yes, absolutely. Um, but, it, you know, a fantastic game. We, we, I don't want to say concluded. Our our deal was you could you have a you can play to ten, which is a standard game, and it's better with the base game. The the expansion adds more ways to score points. We played till fourteen, and the way that we set it up was: listen, guys, we're going to play to fourteen. If six o'clock rolls around and we haven't hit fourteen, then we're going to do one more round, and at the end of that, whoever's in the lead will win the game. And we all agreed to that. We didn't hit 14. At the end, Jeremy and I tied at 13. And I didn't get a chance to share this on the show. Maybe I did. I, I don't think I shared it on the podcast. Yeah, but... either you or he cheated horribly. And... Oh, I did. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't horrible. It was a rules oversight because I had to monitor two new players. I'm sorry, plus can, can you put that word, complaint. those w- rules oversight in quotes, please? I hey, Yes, rules, rules oversight. oversight. <laughs> now, I, uh, I got a rule wrong where I produced it. For those that know Twilight Imperium, if you have a space dock, which is where you're making your units come out of, that's that's where they're being produced. One of my space docks was blockaded. I didn't control the space area in that hex around it. So I wasn't allowed to produce. And I just over oversight, I produced and I was like, well, I think we have a combat immediately. So we had a combat immediately and my stuff that was left over on the following turn, the last turn, put me in a position to score a point to tie. And I was thinking about it the next day while I was in the car. I was like, you know, I don't, I couldn't have, I was, well, I wasn't thinking about it. I was listening to uh, Space Cats, Peace Turtles. They're a, um, they're a podcast that's all Twilight Imperium. And they're, I'm enamored with them. They're, they're like my new heroes. It occurred to me, I couldn't have produced it that blockaded space dock. Uh, it was just a rule that slipped my mind. And I messaged Jeremy. I was like, you know what? I, I think I got a rule wrong. I think you won this actually. Uh, He's he like, like, well, I know I've been researching <laughs> this for the past 24 hours. I saw it in that 42 minute video that you made me watch. Now it, there aren't any uh, stakes involved. You know, we're all playing to have a good time with twilight Imperium. Yeah. There's bragging rights for the winner, no doubt. But you know, I don't think anybody's going home disappointed if they don't win. And I don't think anybody did. We had a, a phenomenal time. Um, you know, if if you're nervous about taking on the game because of the complexity, you know, I can't sugarcoat it and say that it's a light game or even a medium game. It is a complex game, but it's not overwhelming. There isn't nuance within nuance. You know, everything is sort of surface level. And once you understand how to produce units and move, and there's eight action cards, well, that's basically the game. The complexity from there is how do I how do I do this well? You know what I mean? Like chess. Chess is not a complex game, uh, but it's a deep game. And I think, I think Twilight that's the, Imperium the, the, what does makes that a little the, bit too. The, the 4X games, is the good ones, good. Is I mean, yeah, yes, like um, uh, I, I got to spend a lot of time with um, uh, Fractal lately, mm-hmm. which was, went very well on Kickstarter. And that too is a heavy game. Like There's a lot of stuff going on, mm-hmm. but the core of it is not hard. The core of it is actually exceedingly simple and clean but to ever be good at it is very hard and every 4x game that i played that i've liked and it's not my favorite genre is like that so you know they were always going to be heavy like you can't i don't think you can make a a truly simple 4x game i don't think that's possible they kind of require bells and whistles yeah yeah it's those stupid 4x's right (laughs) um but 
it shouldn't be hard to learn the basics. Like you were talking about Ankh earlier. It's the yes. same thing. Like it's not, I think I found that to be exceedingly easy to it's pick up and play. A midi, like a medium weight game. It is not a complex game. But to be good at it, I think is probably very hard. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just one of those. And so I'm going to circle back to, I said, I want you to take on and just play with everybody because the special thing that you described is you have a group of people that are fine if they lose. Yeah. Like, they're, they're like, like whatever. And, and I've happily, I've gotten to that point in game where, you know, for the most part, I don't, I don't, I don't usually care if I lose, like whatever, it's fun. I'm going to enjoy it and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but just imagine if you really cared and you spent eight hours or 10 hours, or if you're those people at the con all night and you're the person who pretty much lost on turn two. Like, oh, that, that'd be rough. I, I will say to, to a game like Twilight Imperium's credit, it, it's hard to lose on turn two. You can make plays that are, that are poor. You can make a poor decision early that will affect you moving on. Um, it's not a king-making game, but there is definitely a, whoa, they're getting strong. Uh, and we all have fleets. We have a means of putting them back back in their place, so to speak. If uh, if I make a poor decision on turn two and I lose, we'll say, half my fleets and I didn't get to take control of a planet, suddenly I'm not a threat. So the person over here, they're not as worried about me attacking. Maybe they can make a push towards the center. You have reason to want to go to the middle of the map in this game. The person over there, maybe they don't have as much reason to, you know, I, I'm not a threat anymore. Um, so I have some time. I, I have a, a little bit of a wiggle room to be able to to do some things to, you know, well, I can just build an army. I don't have to worry about protecting this side because he's not coming after me anyway, because I'm not threatening him in any capacity. Oh, now, maybe they are. But when when you know each other and you know, like, I'm not going to win the game by, you know, piling on this guy, I'm going to win the game by meeting my objectives. Sometimes maybe they they're incentivized to attack you by the objectives and you happen to be an easy target because you made a poor choice. But generally speaking, if somebody is at seven points and you're playing to 10 and I'm at three, well, you're not worried about me. You know, I'm, I'm not the target. You need to get rid of the guy at seven because everybody else is at three, four, five. Well, you, you have practiced that speech at the table. I can see. Yeah. I know. I use it as bargaining. I am not a threat. He's a threat. It's especially funny when you're the guy at seven points and you're like, what me <laughs> uh, no i look i have seven now but i don't i, don't, I can't get the other foot boy everyone has said that right no look i mean hey, yeah, yeah I, I i i'm out of gas i don't i just don't well, see how i can get it in the back you're like i can totally do it if they just believe me right now <laughs> i think that's one of the things that made uh, that makes twilight imperium so uh so so enchanting for all of us is that you know i, I always described as you want to have a giant fleet but you don't want to have to use it um Sometimes you have to, but you know the idea is the game is controlled. You know, meet these objectives that are at the top of the board. So if I'm trying to meet the objectives, I don't have to go to war with you. You don't have to go to war with me. We even have promissory notes, so like you can make agreements in a game like I don't know. I'll say Axis and Allies, which I know. Well, we'll say Risk because you have different factions. It's not two factions fighting each other. Axis and Allies. We'll say in a game of Risk, I can make a deal with you and say, how about you don't attack me here, and I'll I'll go up this way and get that guy in his flank. Okay, well, that's great and all, but it's not binding. You might be like, yeah, okay, and then backstab me immediately. There's plenty of backstabbing in Twilight Imperium, but they do give the opportunity to put skin in the game where you actually give cards to each other. I can give you a card that says, here, I won't attack you, and if I do, you give this back to me, and I have to withdraw immediately, and I've 
past my turn. So it's it's not just saying like, I won't attack you. It's saying, here's a guarantee. It's called a promissory note in the game. And there are various different types of promissory notes. So the extent that you can even trade a point, like you have one point card that you're allowed to give away to somebody. It's worthless to you, but it's worth a point to whoever you give it to. So, so much of the game does not revolve around, can I build a big fleet? Can I build a big fleet? Can I take out that fleet? So much of the game is... Can I talk to people? Can I make good trades? Can I make good deals? I need cultural planets. There's an objective out for three and I only have one. He's got one. How do I take it and stay on his good side? You know what I mean? It's, it's a game that's all about being like used well, car that salesman. That starts by getting him a beer. Hey, that's yeah, absolutely. Asking if they'd like shot. a refill on chips. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, Are you proposing that we get them drunk? <laughs> I would never propose. <laughs> I, I would never propose that ever. Never, ever. All right, but so this is not this is actually it's shocking. This is not an episode about Twilight Imperium, but oh, I could go on. I, well, I know I listened to the episode, um, but so uh, I'll move move into what do you have on your table right now? And I actually have two things on my table right now, and I'll start with one, which is a follow what I was saying earlier. As I'm playing through my Game of the Year nominees, I have Hadrian's Wall mm. sitting out, and what I've been dying to do is the solo campaign that they came up with. I mean, not the whole thing, you know, play through some of it. Um, you know, that's like 14, you have to win like 14 times to, to win the thing. But for those of you who, well, actually, if you listen to this, you know, because we actually, we talked, did a whole episode on it, but it's a flip and write game. It looks like a spreadsheet, but the beauty of this game is the, I, I've, I called it the perpetual motion machine. And what it does is it makes you feel like you're actually smart because you do, you spend this one resource and you could spend the, the one blue meeple to fill in the one box, or you could spend the blue meeple to get a purple meeple and use that purple meeple to fill in a different box. That's going to get you a, a stone. You're going to use that stone to fill in a different box. That's going to get you a yellow meeple. You can use that yellow meeple over here. That's going to fill another box. Get you a black meeple. You take the black meeple. You're going to fill in another box. That's going to get you right back to that blue meeple to fill in the box you almost could have been. And Bingo. boy, you just you feel like you're smart. I'm not, but I feel like it. <laughs> and so it's just this beautiful thing where suddenly you're like, I got three meeples. What do I do? And then suddenly five minutes later, you're still coloring little boxes like you feel like counting out how you just, can go about it yeah, yeah. <laughs> so really really so i got that set up to depending on how late we go tonight to, to play that tonight so my wife is working on her master's degree and tonight's a homework night for her and she's writing a paper which means i can just got time go i'm going to go out to the big table but i'm going to spread out tiny little hadrian's wall across the 10 person table eight person table so i got that one and the other one I got set up is a game that is hasn't been picked up yet. It's been demoed to a couple publishers. It's a game that my, my brother designed. It's called Space Racing Series. It's a drifting spaceship racing game. It takes okay. about 30 minutes to play. And by drifting, you're like vector movement. Like, you know, if you've seen Battlestar Galactica, you know how the human fighter ships are flying. They just say they'll just turn themselves around, but they keep going the same direction. Yeah. You know, that that... Yeah, like actual space stuff, I guess. That's how space works. Oh, that's how it works. Yeah. Who knew? You know, scientists, right? <laughs> and apparently my brother. Uh, and so, but that's the core of the game. And there's, you know, three different game modes. You can either just do a traditional race, you're going through gates, or you can, can be kind of all flying off different directions, doing different things. 
And, you know, there's black holes that, of course, will pull you into the black hole. So you got to kind of like whip around it. And there's mm -hmm. asteroids. You can go around them. Or you'd be like, ah, screw it. I'm just going to go on through them and see what happens. And, of course, you might get hit by the Probably asteroid. Probably not a great idea. The direction. <laughs> or maybe you get lucky and the asteroid hits you and sends you the direction you want to go. Who okay. knows? You know, and all kinds of things like that. And so I had, you know, with a previous version of his prototype, I had made a small pitch video for him. And sent mm -hmm. it to, you know, he sent it to some publishers. And uh, actually, two of them looked at it very closely and were thinking about it. And, decided to pass on it and now he's made some changes so i got to make another one of these videos and let me tell you i was hoping so hard that the last one picked up the game because i really didn't want to make another video yep but nope <laughs> it's there and you know i More work. i, I, I said it, it's it's fun it's actually a, a it's actually a lot of fun um and you know i'm hoping it's picked up but so sure. those are the things i got on my table right now how about you what do you got i've got a game called coffee traders uh, it's on the table set up and I can tell you nothing about it aside from that you're probably trading coffee. Um, our next meetup for the show is going to be at a, a little coffee shop here in, in, well, not a little, it's actually a pretty big cafe in Pittsburgh. Uh, after the last one, they saw that we had the event going on. So they messaged us and they said, Hey, would you come, come to ours? And I'm like, well, absolutely. Coffee traders is one of those games that for whatever reason, anytime I saw like an ad for it on Facebook or, or saw you know the miniature market thing that scrolls by and anyway, I, got caught, I was like, I need to have this game. I don't know why. Uh, I didn't research it or anything. I knew it was a Euro and I saw some pictures and I was like, I, I need to have this. Uh, so I got it and it's set up on the table. I got to learn it because I thought, well, we're going to be at a coffee shop. I want to introduce coffee traders. See what, see what we did there. We're, we're thinking uh, now I just got to learn it. <laughs> I, I hear it's actually kind of heavy. Yeah. Uh, it might not actually end up making it to the, the meetup because I think it's probably a little heavier than, than, then I think you'd want to introduce to an unknown crowd. I think PGG puts it at like four or five or something like, well, maybe not four, four, two. It's, it's above four. It's high on their scale. So it's like, well, we're going to be in for the long haul trying to figure this one Isn't out. Isn't Twilight but, uh, Imperium only like a three, nine or something? I would believe it. And on a side, I would think that it's probably a little bit lower. Um, this one's got a, a lot that I just got a one at a time. Yeah. You know how it is. You set a game up on the table and you're like, okay, I'll get to that rule book tonight. And night rolls around, you're like, I won't watch reruns of Seinfeld or something. <laughs> so you're like, okay, tomorrow. Kid gets on the bus, I'll get right at it. And then the morning comes around, you're like, nah, I'm going to go for a run. I got to cook some breakfast. And you just, you just don't get around to it. It's just been set up on the table now for three days. And I got to learn it. I just, at that point, when I, yeah, that happens sometimes. I'm like, no, I'm just, who has a video up? Teach me. Put oh, this look. up. Uh, Put this up before PAX so that somebody can can hear me ask if you know how to play. Teach me at PAX. I'll sit down with you and we'll, we'll sit and play for hours. And you can show me how to play Coffee Traders and then I won't have to read the rule book. That's right. See, well done. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. my, my my listenership is much smaller than yours. <laughs> I doubt that. <laughs> no. All right. But so we're, we're going to jump into our topic mm -hmm. for, for today. And what we're talking about is... And, and I'm going to call, call it the idea of, of min-maxing or mm -hmm. playing optimally. Yeah. And the idea being every turn or whatever your build is, or it's it's got to be the best possible. Just the absolute best thing you can possibly do. Mm -hmm. And so and yeah, I'll start with it. You know, the first question would be, is that, is that how you play? 
And I'll, I'll say, I don't very, you know, I'm not gonna say never, but for the most part, I'll, I'll just play. And I, I like, actually, I like games that have a lot of chaos anyway. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it, it's, it's hard to play optimally when I'm about to throw a bunch of dice and see what happens. You know? That's true. You can calculate the odds all you want, but the, the first time that it's like, okay, so I should get four hits out of my seven dice and you roll and you get one and you're like, well, I'm not going to spend all the time doing that. Yeah. So, <laughs> so for the, and, and, but one of the things that, that has happened to me over the past few years of, uh, as I've been doing this is I'm much more interested in just playing the game nowadays. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, it's funny since I actually stopped caring Mm-hmm. If I was winning or losing, actually, I actually, I feel like I win a lot more now. Um, it's probably because I play a lot more games than almost anybody I know. So, you know, you kind of have ingrained. Uh, Start connecting the dots a little bit. Yeah, quicker. a little, little yeah. bit faster, a little bit faster. Like there's a lot of Euro style games that the first two times I play with my wife, I will win. And then I will never win again. Because <laughs> um, right. I just, I will pick it up much faster. But she mm-hmm. is much smarter when it comes to planning and, you know, things like that. So for mm-hmm. me, I, I don't do it very much until it's like a game of root or something like that. One of those games that I always expect to lose. And I don't do this if I'm playing the app, but like in, in person, then suddenly I'm like, oh my, oh, hold up. I think I could win this turn. Hold up. Everybody just, just, just sit down. I'm going to take this, all this extra time you guys have been taking on your turns. I'm collecting right now. Here we go. Hold up. I know mm-hmm. I can do it then i will suddenly become this like if you've seen that 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 gif of i think it's from, you know, from the hangover where like all the math equations are like flying in front of his yep. face that suddenly becomes me yep and then i will find it but that's about it as far as playing up even when i'm playing like dungeon crawls or things where you're just building characters I'm like mm, it'd probably be smarter to do this but it sounds a lot more fun to have a penguin yeah. <laughs> oftentimes that's the balance isn't it you know what's yeah. fun versus what's uh what's what's the smarter thing to do yeah but so how about you how how optimal do you get not very i i like to think that i you know play optimally every time or i attempt to but you know realistically i think one of the big things for me was i'm the teacher in our group and uh you know what scott and i are having a similar discussion in an upcoming episode and one of the reasons that we wanted to to tap into that thought is because i was actively thinking about it the other day i don't uh, i don't track my wins or anything i don't finish a game day and, and go like now, how many games did I win? You know, we played four and I won two of them. Okay, I feel better. If you haven't myself. won at least two, you, you go home and flog yourself. No dinner. Exactly. Um, <clears throat> no, but I you did actually. It was like, no, guys, we got to keep playing. I want to eat this week. <laughs> well, I did actually start thinking about it. Like, you know, do, do I even care if I win? You know, is there, is there, you know, we're playing these strategy games. You know, I'm, I'm not having the guys play something that's just entirely random all the time. We're playing games that involve, you know, some amount of thinking and thought and, and pre-planning. And yet, am I actually doing that? And realistically, no. And I think part of it is because I'm teaching. Part of it's uh, like with a meetup, even if people know the game, it's like, well, we're having this this big atmosphere, you know, new people, strangers, we got to wave, say, oh, you know, it's so nice to meet you, that that sort of thing. And, oh, I'll just play a game, just play a game or, or you know, this suddenly Patrick rolls in. He's the hard ass. He's like, shut up, sit down. I want to destroy <laughs> you. <laughs> I have a podcast. You will respect my gaming. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> you know what? It's it's kind of funny you mentioned that. I went over to play a game of side with my friend Jimmy, who I, I gather he and his group, uh, they're they're relatively new to the hobby gaming side of things, but they fell in love with side. And I was like, hey, I'll go play side with them. This this will be great. Um, and at the end of a game of side, you can scatter out your troops and have control of multiple territories. And none of them did that, but I did. So like the territory scoring. Uh, I, I won the game tremendously based on that. And I think that's kind of what triggered this, this thought of like, wait a minute, am I regularly playing optimally? There are games that I do that for, but generally, no. I think I'm more concerned with, is everyone having fun? You know, if I'm hosting, be it an event or just at my house, is everyone having fun? Does everyone understand the game? Are they making this decision because I taught them well, or are they just like going through the motions? Like, I think that that's where my mind state is. Uh, and, and it keeps me actually uh, from playing optimally. So full circle, I don't play optimally. Yeah, I was thinking about that. There's only one game where I feel like I do that. And it's, and, and it's only because, and I don't track wins losses either, except for this one, because I've never lost. I even won the demo that I played at Origins. Okay. And that is Vast Mysterious Manor. You've never is, lost the Vast. Yeah. We, oh, that that is a fantastic game. I don't have a single win that doesn't have an asterisk nest to it because the rules in that thing are just like crazy pants. Though a buddy of mine said that apparently even Patrick Leader has said he's never won the game without an asterisk. So like, <laughs> it's, it's just a game. <laughs> but that one, it doesn't matter what it's like. That, that one... Like as people are taking their turns, I am just like lasered closely, in. taking notes. And I'm sure once I lose, it'll be fine. Mm -hmm. Maybe I want to hope, or I'll be like, I gotta get my streak back. You'll be done with the game. game. <laughs> but other than that, it you know for the most part, I, I just want to have fun. I think that's also related to how much I love chaos in games because like I love Cosmic Frog, and it doesn't get any more chaotic than that thing. It's hard to play optimally when. Well, to your point, you know, you said, well, if you're rolling a whole bunch of dice, well, yeah, you know, if an event can come up and ruin your entire game plan, then it's hard to to take it too seriously. Like I'm, I'm going to think my way out of a situation. Sometimes, the game as another player just picks on you, and yeah. that's you those know, are when, the games. When you that keep are... rolling a one, you can't think your way out of that. Exactly. Exactly. Um, you know, and, and and it's also kind of the again as I was going back to the idea of you just you know playing onk with random people like it's about the group of people that you have because you know right. like it would be it could be very easy to just be a real turd when that's happening to you <laughs> <laughs> like you know like real easy you, know, you keep rolling ones and and uh, most people play with me they know like when it's when it comes to dice rolling like I'm bad like I just we have fun with it when that ha you know who, whoever it's every game day somebody gets the bug you know and they just they're just rolling bug. you know you just kind of throw your hands up like thankfully we're a group where like it's almost an honor to be the person who can't roll well because at first of all you could just blame your loss on a bad rolls but nobody gets uh you know nobody gets we're, upset we're really, really or, angry. but but we've all seen those people yes we've all we, we, we we've all we've all seen them and you know which is it's always my hesitation of playing games like that usually at, you know, like a convention because you know if you're going to be there for three hours, like you want people to be cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The, uh, um, I'd say, and I think I had actually told this story last week, but, uh, I'll tell you, you know, one of my, my favorite game day stories was a friend of mine, actually the, one of the designers of the game Omicron protocol that we were, we were talking about, he came mm -hmm. over for a party at my house and it was an all day. It was a birthday party thing. It was, we we're going to do heavy games early in the day. 
And by the end of the night, we're going to be like doing like joking hazard, you know. And you'll come, so come whenever you want, based on that. Okay. And a good friend of mine, he doesn't he doesn't play games. Like he likes Mysterium. That's about as heavy as he gets. Okay. Um, but he wanted to be there the whole day, and so he sat down to play this brand new 4X game. And like he he, had, he didn't know what the heck was going on. And so, like, he could have been a total turd, and that would have been no fun for anybody. Right. But you know, he's like, just kind of going, going through, doing the stuff. And he's like, looking over at Bernie. He's like, I don't know what to do. He's like, Well, you can do this. And he's like, okay, I'll do that. And I'd go mm-hmm. over, like, you know, I'd say, when I, the end of the story from last week, I said, I'd go over and check on camp. Like, you, you having fun? He's like, I don't know. He's like, <laughs> do you want to drink? I don't yeah. know. He says, well, Yeah, I was going to say, there's, there's ways to facilitate it. <laughs> he's like, I, I, don't, I don't really know what's happening. I was like, You want another drink? He's like, Yeah. You know, at the end, I was like, was it funny? He goes, I had three drinks. That's a win. You know? Bingo. Yeah, just kind of you know, good, 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 go through. Um, but that, that, that is from the point. So my next question, we've already kind of t- touched on it a little bit, is there are definitely the times when that optimal play is just great. Even when you're not doing it, you know, there's that moment when someone has the player like, oh my gosh, that is an amazing play. And Actually, I just played a game of Battlestar Galactica where I had that moment. Yeah. And I was halfway through the game, became a Cylon. And and we were playing actually one over the max player count. So we had we mm-hmm. you know shuffled in some extra because in the first time in the history of parties, everybody came. Like everybody. And we're all adults. It's like that was weird. So we had How'd we that actually, work. Yeah, so we, had, so we had too many players and we're going around and I and everyone was just sure that I was going to be a Cylon because I'm, I'm that kind of person. I always want to be the Cylon. Let's just yeah, I was going to say, I want to be. Yeah. And so we're good going around. And I, the, when I first became, I was the first person to play. And I was in a great spot where I could reveal right now and really hurt us. But I didn't. You know. And I waited. Someone said, oh, if he's a Cylon. So I didn't do it. I set the stage. Long time to get all the way back around. And I convinced somebody else that, that clearly it's not me. Like I had the chance, I didn't do it. <laughs> and so the Admiral had just revealed. And now basically the next player was able to choose who was going to be the next Admiral because it could throw myself or the other pilot in the brick. Mm-hmm. His choice. And he was just probably like, I was like, no, it can't be me because I did this. You're right. It must be this one. Thank you. He gave me the Admiral. And I was playing Anders, who has the ability you can set one die however you want. The next player, I convinced him to give me an XO, which gives you, you know, two actions. First thing I did, I nuked all the civilian ships and was able to set the die to an eight, wiped them all out. Second action, revealed, blew apart of the, and we lost. They came back and won. Oh, wow. But everybody, even myself, was like, that was the most amazing play we've seen you know in a long time and I, I thought about it for a long time setting this thing up like that was an optimal play mm-hmm. and that was a great moment everyone thought that was a great moment and so sometimes that happens and when i when i see that that's fantastic but what's the flip side when that optimal play is just the worst well i <laughs> it's hard to follow that up um, well, I don't mean as a specific example. I just had that one come to my mind because it just it just happened, and I feel like I should never play Battlestar again because I'm never going to top that. <laughs> no, and you know what? That's the kind of story that that keeps us coming back to these games to try and try, try and uh, emulate or, or replicate that sort of experience. Um, I guess 
I guess my thought on optimal play would would be slightly different. That is a that's a phenomenal example of one one seed being planted mm-hmm. and being nurtured to this big crescendo of look what I've done. Um, you do have to think each turn. You know, how am I going to, what am I going to do this turn to make sure that this still comes to fruition? What am I going to do the following? So to, to say, you know, what's the opposite? I mean, I guess an obvious opposite would be if it didn't work. And if people were still like, nah, I, I don't, I'm not buying what Will's, what Will's uh, selling here. I think he's a silent and, and it doesn't pan out. But I think maybe more so in, in a way that you had this epic experience. It's fun for you because you got to see this thing happen, but it's fun for everybody else because they got minds blown and they still got to like fight their way claw their way back into the game where it can be where it can be disastrous is if you're playing and i think that you know for me an an optimal the idea of sitting down and trying to play the game as best as i can uh comes more into play with euro style games where there's there's more uh, interactivity with each mechanism do x so y happens you know uh, plant the plant the seed to get the wood to build a house to produce a meeple right and you have to think a few turns ahead i think the opposite of your fun scenario is when somebody's taking too much time i think uh, maybe ap is is the biggest side effect from someone trying to to min max or someone trying to to optimally yeah, when, when they're mapping out. out in those euro games where where you know, every, all the scoring is out there. And so they're mathing out everybody's score every time. And it's just, yeah, exactly. It, 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 it's slow. And uh, it's kind of what I referenced earlier. Like, you know, I, I, I never do it. And they never know once in a while. I'm like, hold on, this is my moment. I'm, I'm going to figure out the way I'm going to win with the dumb cats or, you know, whatever it is. <laughs> and, but, you know, there are the people that they just, the fun for them is literally making the very best mathematical play every turn right it's seeing the tree of decisions you know with all the branches going off of it and saying okay so i can go this way and that'll yield versus this way and you know what that is fun and that's satisfying you and i are probably the type where okay i gotta make sure you know trying to be the host here make sure things go smoothly so i'll look at that tree with its five branches I'll get rid of one of the brink and well, that's obviously not, not good. This one's not as good either. So it's one of these three and I just pick one. Yep. And I, one of I my fa- favorite things I, I do now is and... I will, especially if I play the game a lot more mm-hmm. like, um, Oh, merchants Cove is a bad example because everyone's doing their own thing, but, um, I'll just pick a path I've never done before. And try and maximize the, the yeah, benefit you know, of going just, down that path, sure. Yeah, and that all, that's also going to narrow down your decisions a bit. Because like, well, mm-hmm. I don't need stone because I'm going the wood route. I don't need sheep. I just use well, hold on, references. You, you always need sheep. You always need <laughs> yeah. sheep. Oh, you, you get my point, though. Well, yeah. Once you say, I'm, um, I'm going to go down this path, well, then you can start to disregard things. There might be a time where the optimal play might have included an action that does that. And you're like, nah, no, nah, no, nah, I'm going to go heavy on, on, on this aspect of the game. It can be fun. It can, can open you up to a new strategy. Uh, and it can narrow down that, that it, it can prune the decision tree to narrow your decisions down to one or two. And someone like you or I, or someone who's been gaming for a while, most listeners I'm sure could go, well, yeah, if I narrow it down to one or two, just, well, obviously one, two or three decisions, well, then it becomes much quicker and I can easily make that optimal play in the path that I've chosen for this game. I agree. I think it's a really good way to still be able to play with optimal turns and decision-making while not overwhelming yourself to the extent that you're kind of dragging down the table and dragging out the game. 
Yeah, and I think there's a, I have no data behind this, but I think there's been a little bit of a push for, and a lot of Euro games to have more of it be simultaneous or close to simultaneous. Mm-hmm. Because if we're all doing our own little things at the same time, that suddenly cuts down on some of that thinking. Yes, I will still be waiting for, you know, Sally over there who likes to think about everything when I'm done, but not nearly as long as when I have to wait five minutes for you to take your turn. And then there's Sally taking five minutes on her turn. And then Fred, we all know Fred, he's taking seven minutes on his turn. Mm -hmm. Like suddenly it's now been 30 minutes since I last did anything. Then it comes to me. I'm like done. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That, that can, that can certainly. I think that's just coming back to what we, what I keep, what we keep talking about, you know, it's group dynamics, you know, who, who are you playing with and what, mm-hmm. what kind of, you know, person, what person are they? And then kind of picking those games to give everybody what they want, you know? Absolutely. There, there are times where, you know, there's times where I think that a fun game day is going to revolve around sitting and thinking. Um, and I'll use brass for an example, uh, brass, Birmingham or Lancashire. They're, uh, they're not overly complex games. They're not super simple, but they're very deep in that, what you're going to do this turn needs to directly impact what you have planned to do the next turn. And you should probably be thinking about what that's going to yield two turns from now. And everybody at the table is doing that. And it's, it can be delicate. You know, you can't slip up somewhere and you can't miss out on the turn order. You know, if I do this, what are they going to do? Part of the, the fun, some of the, the meat of that is whenever you get to think about what are my opponents going to do? And can I correctly anticipate that? If we water it down to, to just chess, chess is a remarkably simple game. It's one of the most popular games. It doesn't need anybody to defend how great it is. But it's fun because you actively have to think ahead and you actively have to think about what is my opponent going to do? Can I correctly guess it? And if they do it, are they going to correctly guess what I'm going to do in response? This happens a lot in Magic the Gathering too in the in, in upper tiers, uh, upper skill levels of Magic the Gathering, it's knowing knowing the game so well, knowing the scenario so well that you, you've, you've seen, I said it before, the nuance within the nuance and to play with somebody at that same skill level. Uh, not that I was ever at that skill level, but to play with someone that understands no, a game like- you were number nine. <laughs> right. Number nine. I- don't know if that story made it on or not, but yes, I was number nine. But a game like Brass, Brass isn't going to be fun if you're sitting down and you're playing with uh, with three new players or three players that have only played it once or twice if you've played it a hundred times. Brass is going to be especially fun when you're at a tournament because the rewarding sensation that you get isn't just from winning the game. It's from outthinking uh, another human. It's from outplaying another human. And the, the not woe is me pity party that you get from a loss is that you can acknowledge it like wow they made some great they outplayed they thought they saw what i was going to do you never get to you never just walk away going well roll to three you know what i mean like you can walk away from the game and go i know what i would do differently and And then if you and you you can even have like a my my wife and uh uh but my friend uh, matt again his his fiance they'll say so we sometimes we'll have well debriefing sessions like mm-hmm. we'll finish, but you say, ah, what did you, oh, you did that. And you know, and that, that is, a, that's a ton of fun. The total yes. sidebar, a game that you should probably check out. Uh, I, I mentioned the list that we had called Coloma. And mm-hmm. the reason that I love it so much. And I again, people have heard me say this before is it's all about that. It's knowing 
what you should be doing. Mm -hmm. But you know that I know. And you can ask King Scott, and he, he probably knows this as an actor from The Lion in Winter. Great line. I know. You know I know. I know you know I know. Eleanor knows we know it. <laughs> you know, we're a knowledgeable family, but it's that fun because what that does is suddenly you're making a stupid play because you know they don't expect you to do that. And suddenly that stupid play is the good play. And, right. It's the game within the game. And, and Coloma is not all of it, but is all about that because it's got a little mechanic where there's one of the five different actions that you can select. Mm -hmm. And each of those actions has get you, to, you get to do two things, you know, a top action okay. and a bottom action. But whatever action the most people pick is a bust. You only get no to do the top action. Gotcha. Boom or bust. And so it's, it's all about, it's like, you know, you look around the table and see what people have. Like, well, clearly Patrick wants to do this. I want to do that. We both know that we want to do that. And so we both know that it's going to be a bust if we do that. And then, of course, we both wind up trying to be outsmart the other one. We both do the same different thing. We now both busted again and been suboptimal. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think for, for me, that's the most fun. But in my, in my brain, you start to not be optimal to be optimal. It's weird. When you go uh, down it's, it's that road, that happens. Like, which is, which is fun. Um, and that's its own moment of great moments when suddenly Patrick has done something that's like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Oh, that was a great move. <laughs> you know. And yet sometimes it is, a, it is a case of overthinking to the extent that you actually outthink yourself. Uh, you know, you, you take it one step too far and, uh, you know, what you thought was going to happen or thought you could pull off doesn't work out. And uh, again, that's part of the fun. I think maybe the, the difference between uh, someone who plays optimally and someone who I'm just playing for fun. What well, we're both playing for fun. Their fun comes from a different space and it's not a laugh out loud fun it's not a high five your buddy's fun it's it's maybe instead of fun the word should be rewarding very rewarding it's an earned uh sensation and i think there there are definitely games that capture that beautifully and and they're amongst my favorite twilight imperium's not not one of those games <laughs> well it's okay because you probably have half an hour between every turn so you got plenty of time right plenty of time we can play a, a little game off to the side yeah. You know, funny story. I was on a stream once of, mm -hmm. uh, of a game and I'm not going to mention it, but it was so long between turns. I had someone else was there because it was a little digital stream and someone was, was, help, was helping me with the game. Mm -hmm. And I had this small two player game I had to review also. And it was so long between turns. We just literally set it up and I would take my turn and we would play a whole game of this other thing before it would come back to me i take my turn play a whole game before it would come back around It'd come back to the turn my goodness yeah. i mean see i could have been trying to play optimally but instead i was like yeah let's throw some dice whatever <laughs> you know um so the, the last question we actually also talked about it but if in case you wanted to add anything to it sure. was does the environment where you're playing make a difference to this idea of playing optimally or suboptimally. Like we talked about, you know, like if you're hosting a game meetup, like, and you're teaching the game and you just taught me how to play, you've been helping me all along. Maybe you don't make that optimal move to smash me into space dust. Mm -hmm. I mean, you should, you should <laughs> teach me a lesson, but maybe you don't. So, so when for you, do you feel like, you know what, this is my time that I'm going to be at my best 
and everything be damned, time be damned, I'm doing this. Well, I, I think the primary, uh, we'll say the primary atmosphere that I'd like to create is, is one where the other players know the game and they know it well. Um, I'll give a good example. We were playing uh, the Lobsters. A couple of those guys, uh, they had the app for Through the Ages, a new story of civilization, as did I. And we would play on there all the time. We would get it to the table. And if those three were coming over and we're going to play through the ages, it was not a, Hey guys, we're going to, you know, we're going to do some drinking. We're going to have some laugh out loud. And through the ages doesn't provide a whole lot of those moments. Anyway, it's a very calculating thinking game. Yeah. It's, um, it's for me, the, the funny, funny things are at the end of the game. We look back and it's like, I had space travel and never got past coal and bronze. <laughs> uh, it can happen. Uh, it can. And you know what? I, I almost never go past iron. Um, well, that, that's neither here nor there. Uh, the point being, you can take a complex game, and if everybody knows how to play it, and everybody's on a, on a similar skill level, uh, then you can set up uh, your game night with your friends and, and find that experience, get that rewarding fun, as opposed to laugh out loud and high five fun. And I think a lot of gamers that 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 have experienced it, that's sort of their that's what they seek out. That's what they seek to replicate in, in their game days. Now, obviously not every game day is gonna cater to that experience. Um, if you have new players, well, you can introduce something that's a little more, uh, we'll say a, a game that introduces chaos, but not talking about uh, the games per se, the environments. I think a lot of it comes down to who are you playing with? How many times have they played? Are they strangers? Do you know them? Your example with Ankh. If I go and try and play Ankh with a bunch of strangers, uh, it's going to be really, really awkward or an aggressive game. Like, um, I don't know, name an aggressive game. It's going to oh, be well, really I'll tell you weird. One of, my, one of my favorites, uh, Red Dragon Inn is highly aggressive. It's going to be really difficult to sit down with strangers and play a game where we're basically going to pick on each other. We're going to, we're going to be mean diplomacy. We're going to backstab each other for the next several hours i had a friend one time well, a store owner in in little washington around here and he said i asked him about diplomacy this was probably in the late 90s i wasn't into games yet and I was, well, anthony what's going on with that he said oh it's a great game you need seven friends and none of them will be your friend when it's over i was like oh and i've always been enamored with it since but that's the kind of thing you need to you need to know your group um and i think that the environment is sort of secondary to that you know Obviously, as you said, a, a meetup, a coffee shop, a, it's going to be a little bit different. The people, I think, are, are the biggest difference in, in whether or not you have an opportunity to sit down with the intent of trying to play an optimal game. I completely agree with that. And I also know it's starting to get a little late there for you. So let's oh, we're move getting ahead. Up we're going to move ahead <laughs> into the game or feature game we're talking about. Yeah, let's do which it. Which is Clank! And I say yes. it like that because there's an exclamation mark at the end of it. And there's many different derivations. But before we can do that, mm -hmm. it's everyone's favorite, Sponsor Bump. Here comes the commercial, everybody. Boom. And now, a word from our sponsor. Play some games? I just can't play games with you today. Not tonight. They just dropped Far Cry 6, and I, I need to get into that. Yeah, nah, mate. Sorry, i got to put those prawns in the barbie. Ah. Uh no, no, no. I, I don't think we can. There's like a there's a football game on, right? Yeah, yeah. we gotta play football. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But I've got that really important unboxing of Spider-Man Uno. Look, it says it's fast and fun for everyone. I wish I could, but I have rehearsal. I would. Just one small problem. You're five thousand miles away. 
Yeah, sorry, man. I can't. I'm heading over to the Milk Shack today. They are having a sale to die for. Oh, tonight's the night for my noggin waxing. Sorry, I can't. I have to water my artificial plants. I guess no one wants to play games with me. Hey, you want to play some board games? Well, how do I do that? There's a whole community of people waiting to play with you. Really? I can come right now? Right now, but particularly on Tuesday nights. <laughs> okay, let's go! Sovereignty. Play board games in a 3D environment on any device. Play smarter. You can find more information about Sovereignty in the description of this podcast or video. All right, everybody, so we are back, and now we're going to talk about Clank. And so when Clank was proposed, and I said, oh, we can do that, Patrick's answer was he has played everything Clank. And so... Just about. To tell us what the heck is Clank briefly, and then we'll talk about what we like, what we don't like, whatever. Sure. Um, well, I, I think a lot of gamers will be familiar with Clank. Clank is, uh, we'll call it a deck building dungeon crawling game where everybody's going to start with the same 10 cards and you're going to be starting at the same space on the board. This is a deck builder with a board. And the objective of the game is you're going to be using your deck and purchasing cards and acquiring cards that get mixed into it. Uh, good old deck building. You're going to use that to move about the dungeon, to gain swords, to defeat monsters that you might run into. All the while you're trying to acquire coin, you're buying cards that are worth points. And most importantly, at some point, you're going to grab an artifact and get out, get back to the starting position. Well, well wait a minute, why wouldn't we just be buying more cards? Well, all the while you're making clank or noise. Some of these cards, some of the, the base ones that are just in your opening deck, they make noise. And that's represented by little cubes, or in this case, clank. You put them into a clank area and occasionally a card is going to flip up into the market or something's going to trigger a dragon attack. There's a little track at the bottom of the board that has the dragon. It says, here's how many cubes you have to pull out of the bag. Uh-oh. You have a bag with a bunch of black cubes in it. You're going to take all the clank that's been made, all that little bit of noise represented by those cubes. You're going to put those in the bag. You're going to give it a big old shake. You're going to remove some number of cubes and that number will go up as the game goes on. So if black cubes are removed, well, no big deal. They don't go back in the bag. They're just, they're removed. There are fewer now. They're misses, we'll call them. But if your color cube is removed, you took a damage. You can't take 10 damage or you die. So that's why you got to get in, grab an artifact and get out. Furthermore, once one player is out or any number of players, once one person's out, they're going to be pulling an addition, doing an additional dragon attack, pulling some number of cubes on their turns. And then once the second player is out, well, that's twice now. So I got to go. Both my opponents are out of the dungeon. So I go dragon attack, dragon attack. All the while, those black cubes are coming out. They're not going back. So the probability of seeing your own cubes get pulled goes up as the game goes on. A deck building a dungeon crawler with a bit of a timer built in. Phenomenal, phenomenal game. So I, I have a... It's not interesting. Boring history with Clank. I'd say, well, I'm an interesting okay. time boring. So uh, I'd heard Please about Please do Clank. tell. And I was always, always, in, you know, interested in it. And a few years ago, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to buy it because um, this is around the time when I was just mostly playing games solo. Wasn't mm -hmm. reviewing stuff at the time. And someone had, oh, and I was actually doing a show out of town. And, you know, they, they, they you know, they put me up. And, but I'm just there by myself for a lot of something the to time. do. And so I wound up with Clank in Space. Mm -hmm. And 
because you know i wasn't sure which one i normally I like fantasy far more than than, than sci-fi stuff but i was like oh clank in space is better it's better it's better i was like okay i got it and, you know it's fine and then earlier this year I, was, I have not played this game in two years so i sold it and then i was like man i kind of wish i had clank but i like fantasy better now and i wasn't sure and i was posting on you know facebook but i was like ah do i want to get it i don't know and then a lovely subscriber reached out and said i have one that i haven't played in two years it's base clank it's got the mummy's mask your mummy's mask mummy's mummy's uh, mummy's curse i think it is your mummy's curse yeah mummy's mm-hmm. curse and the sunken treasures yep i'll send it to you for shipping i was like really i was like oh my yes please yes and so now i got that played it a couple times oh all all about it really excited and then i went out and i was like ah it doesn't quite have everything what do i need and i got the adventuring party which mm-hmm. makes every player slightly different and everyone has their own overpowered bs that they can do uh-huh and just really really happy happy with it and then as i mentioned earlier we finished betrayal legacy and we're like well I we know where you're going new. with this and then i joined the board game geek secret santa and so I made my list. And I was like, I'll just put Clank Legacy on there. I'll just put it on there. You know, maybe there'll be a deal. Because, you know, it's like $100. But maybe there'll be a deal somewhere. Mm-hmm. And two days later, Clank Legacy showed up at my door. It was meant to be. Yep. And so I got it. I, I painted all the miniatures. And I told my wife, I was like, hold on, I'm doing I'm painting. <laughs> go watch Go watch your show. Whatever. I'm painting. Do more homework. <laughs> Whatever you're doing. I got to paint these things. So... I am super excited about Clank right now. We just, after we finished our Betrayal Legacy game, we had time, so we just played a game of, you know, Clank. And it's interesting to me that in Clank, you can get cards that you're only using to buy more cards, Mm -hmm. which is the one aspect of deck builders that I don't like. It's, I don't like if I'm playing like Dominion, I can have a card that's just going to be points or it's just like like, gold. Yeah, I I don't don't like that. Like, yeah. Why is that? I find it boring. Like, I, I, I want to do something. And Clank lets you do that. And you're moving around, using cards to move around. And because there are just a few of those cards that let you do that, but because that is so exceedingly rare, it doesn't bother me. And that's the thing about deck builders that bothers me is when that happens. I mean, there's plenty of deck builders that don't do that. And I, I love those. Sure. I'll play those forever. But I guess what I'm main trying to say is everything else about Clank is so fun to me. I'm willing to overlook the thing about deck builders that I hate. I understand. Okay. I think deck building in and of itself is, is engine building. And if you boiled it down to just, I'm going to buy coins, uh, well, more purchasing power, and I'm going to buy points. Well, that in and of itself is, is, is a game. Really, it is. When you incorporate the board and all these other movements, all these other variables, then then yes, you're going to be building on to, and it is going to make something like like those you know purchasing power cards. So I'm just going to buy this so that I can buy bigger things later. Yeah, yeah I can see that watering it down, but I kind of like that. It's it's saying you know what I am going to you know we're going to become there's going to be more asymmetry between you and I because I'm able to purchase higher value things and I'm going to play a longer game. You're getting things that are going to help you more now. It's just one more strategy, be it uh, to your point, perhaps a more boring one. Well, but I, I think it, it becomes less boring because of the rest of the theme of the clank, right? It's like, oh, that's true too. I'm doing this with a purpose. I'm doing this because I really want to get, you know, because sometimes early in the game, that really expensive card shows up. 
Mm-hmm. No one can buy that garbage. Like no one, for, it'll be 30 minutes before anyone can buy that. But, you, right. but you're like, I'm going to get that. <laughs> it's going to so be So you mine. can target it that way and buy those, the, the gold. Yeah, I, you know, I'm going to get example. that little cat that will let me trigger a dragon attack every time it comes out. Or, you know, Mr. Whiskers. Yes, Mr. Whiskers. Everyone hates Mr. Whiskers <laughs> so much, which is great. But, you know, it has a purpose to it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what, to me, makes Clank special is that I'm sure it's not the first one, but it's the first deck builder that I played that made deck builder a mechanic in the game, not the game. Sure. Um, and, and I think that's what, what, what does it. And then, of course, it has, for me, that, well, one, it has this lovely tongue-in-cheek humor. Mr. Um, Whiskers. Yeah. <laughs> Damn, Mr. Whip. It's always a cat. As it goes through and it's got fun art and stuff, but it has this adventure, fun, and a bit of chaos to it because you're reaching in that bag. And every, especially at the end of the game, every time you pull something out of that bag, you're like, oh, God, I hope it's not me, but God, I hope it's Patrick so much. There's a real tension. There's a very, that game, that game captures tension as well as any game I've ever played. And there have been so many games that I've played since Clank, and yet I could break out Clank, and it's still going to get me on the edge of my seat with ease compared to other games that are attempting to do the same thing because of that bag building. Because what am I going to draw this turn? This card lets me draw two, and I really need one more boot. Did I get it? Um, I'm racing someone to get that 20-point artifact. Did I get there? Is he going to leave the dungeon now? Oh, no, we'll be on the clock already once he leaves. Every yeah, because you're decision. always you, you wind up playing with that person. Like, I'm just gonna take the five and go. Get what the five and get out. There's always doing? that one person. And and you know what? I like that. I brought this up on uh, on level up a, a bunch of times. I love when a game lets players dictate when the end of the game is going to be. Uh, if you Clank has inevitability, if everyone just hangs out, eventually you will all die anyway. Even if you're playing it super safe near the top, but that somebody does have the chance to just go in, go out. And then somebody else says, you know, I, I think that's a, a just a beautiful mechanic in a game because then it's it's going to change based on the players at the table. You know, they, they, they're they not only just interacting with, uh, with, you know, the various mechanisms within the game and interacting with each other and racing to various spots, but also somebody can decide at any point, you know what, I'm going to start the countdown. We're going to we're going to be done here in four turns because I think you guys can't catch me. And then you get to see that around the table you know of, of everybody else's play style like is it like the last time that that we play like that happens one guy ran and i was like i was like i'm gonna do it i'm gonna go get the backpack i'm gonna go get another artifact before i try to get out of here uh-huh and that you know created this moment with another guy who was doing the same thing and i was hurt he wasn't very hurt and then just suddenly ev he was green i think every cube was green for like oh, the next no. four like i just and then we dumped out the bag at the end of the game it was all blue cubes left, which I was. Oh my! It was just, but it was this lovely moment. Was like every, you know, I was like, well, I deserve to die now. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Let me pull some other back. Oh, sorry, Tom. <laughs> sorry, Tom. But that's the level of you know that 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 go up again that that chaos I like, but that tension because by the end of it, even me who has benefited fitting knew this cannot keep happening. Right. Exactly. 
but it can't. Exactly. You start to play the, the probabilities and it becomes really hard to keep track of how many cubes you yourself have in the bag compared with other people, how many black cubes are left. So they make it very difficult to actually calculate that. And yet it's something that you do have to be mindful of. I never know how much clank I have cubes, clank I have in the bag, but I have an idea. If that bag is, yeah, good, you can like, look at you. Oh, I got a small stack here. It's probably all me. Yeah, you know? I'm pretty sure. Like, yeah, I could count my cubes and say, okay, so I must have seven in the bag. But generally speaking, you know, oh, we got to pull four cubes out. Oh, none were mine. Oh, we got to pull four cubes out again. Whew, none were mine. Well, I might not be doing the math. I don't know how many of the other players' cubes there are or how many black cubes are left, but I do know that we just pulled eight and none of them were mine. So, you know, it, it's one more thing to be mindful of in a game that already has the interactivity between the players, uh, extended it all the way down to triggering the end of the game and deck building which quite frankly i think deck building you know i haven't said it on the show yet but i'll say it i think it's my favorite mechanism in a game especially when it's not the game you said it when it's part of a game there's so much skill in a deck building game just in the probabilities uh, you know like crafting your deck knowing how much game is left you don't want the card that's going to add clank some cards will will give you a, a tremendous benefit but they add clank when you use them you might not want to buy that early on now that's not hard to suss out but every single card needs to be valued based not only on how many times am i going to draw it based on how many turns are left but also does this cater to the strategy that I'm doing? I'm not going to buy a card that's going to help me fight guys. If it's the only one in my deck, I'll see it twice. whoop de doo Maybe I start the game and that's my strategy. There's so many routes you can take for what is honestly an hour, hour and a half game. Yep. I love and it. it's interesting with the different clanks that you play because I, you know, I have not played original clank, I guess, enough to know for sure. But in clank in space, there's a lot of synergies that you can create. Yes. You know, like you get, get, if you, if you have a crystal, all these cards are going to be better. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go get a crystal or <laughs> maybe you're just not going to worry about that and just not worry about those cards and do something else. And I think that's all. The other thing about, about, I think Clank that's really, I think clever is that each of the different versions is so well done in the sense that you're you can pick up any of them and learn the differences in two minutes yeah it doesn't doesn't take but they're much. they're enough different that they feel like different experiences to me like it they're in space is different enough from original clank that i can say i prefer this one more than the other one because mm -hmm. it is different enough yet like it took me nine seconds to learn how to play original Clank after playing Clank in Space. Mm -hmm. And I'm assuming it's going to be the same thing when I finally play the Sunken Temple and the Mummy's Curse. I know with the Sunken Treasures, you get the chance to, uh, to punch the, instead of punching the cultist, well, punching the goblin in the regular one, it's a punch. It's a goldfish. I think you get to beat up on him. Well, they, it does change just enough. Uh, so you have sunken areas in order to go through them. One of the market items that you can purchase is a little scuba diving helmet. You don't have to do that at all. You, you just don't have to pursue that and you could still win the game. Uh, it's one more strategy option that you have. Uh, there are certain things that you can't kill unless you're in a flooded room. It's kind of like a forest, but it's a, a flooded room. You got to stop when you're in there. Or you can't go in it without the, it's been a while. But nevertheless, the point being, you don't have to do it at all. And you can still win the game, or you can say, you know what, I am gonna, I'm gonna try and dabble in that route and see if I can can capitalize on it. Uh, just a phenomenal, phenomenal expansion to the, to an already great game. 
And now, have, have, have you played Clank Legacy? I'm glad you asked that. I played it twice today. Uh, wow. My little brother has a, a cabin in the middle of nowhere. There's a lot of pockets of Pennsylvania that uh, are officially the middle of nowhere, and he lives in one of them. Well, you have to go over train tracks in the country and then turn to the gravel road that's literally next to the train tracks and go down the gravel access road to find his house. I'm telling you, you could not find it if you were looking for it, if you didn't know it was there. So we're out at his cabin and uh, we've been doing a Clank Legacy campaign. It's getting a little rough to keep going because my little brother's got two jobs now and he's trying, you know, he's trying to finish the game. He's the least gamer friend well sibling i guess in this case of of the people that i play games with so there's kind of like a hey man can you can you are you willing to were you able to yeah i guess we play that day uh so we're on game eight i think we have two left to go um now obviously we don't want to spoil clank legacy i suppose it's still new enough that we don't want to give things away but uh you are going to see a lot of you're going to see changes to your board and that's not giving anything away because that's expected there hasn't been first a first thing that happens game. the other thing is a big old sticker box is packet it says you're gonna don't open yeah. them but you're going they're Spoiler. gonna be on the board the board will the change rule book. half the rule book is empty exactly yeah exactly so it has a lot of the the tropes that you would expect in uh, in clank uh well from any legacy game let's let's put it that way it has it has what you would anticipate there it lets you do things to the clank game that you couldn't do to a base game box and put it back on the shelf for the the next group to just pick up and get back into it. Spoilers or no? And I'm not talking deep spoilers, but simple spoilers. Uh, start keep it light. And if I if I start panicking because we haven't even started yet, I'll I'll, I'll, okay. I'll be like stop. So every everybody starts with the same deck of ten cards in a game of Clank. There will come a point where you may have the opportunity to modify your starting. 10 in some capacity uh, so asymmetry in your game it may be introduced based on the starting 10 cards um, they have a lot of fun with that and they found ways uh, that they can make it different each game various parts of that board uh, and i won't i won't spoil anything here i'll just i'll tell the listeners take out your clank board set it down in front of you and look at that board. Anything on it is fair game. You know, if that was a Clank legacy board, there isn't a segment of that board that is not fair game to be modified in some way. Uh, so, so nothing is like expect the unexpected. If there was a part that's like, well, there's not going to be a sticker for that. There might be, you know, there very well might be. They, you could tell that they took their time to make sure that they were uh, overturning uh, every, every stone that they could you know can we can we mess with that i bet we can and they and they do it's it's a lot of fun all in this this sand this this game that i already love so much uh, for them to be able to introduce things they do and even little legacy things that have nothing to do with clank like oh you're gonna maybe you'll get to name a card that's so much fun uh yep yeah, we, I we can't had so wait we, to we, hear your thoughts on we, we had just, just so much fun with that, and it was weird because like we had, like I went into Betrayal Legacy thinking, okay, we're gonna like go deep and thematic, and you know, because I missed the first two games, and the first card that I pulled that had been named, it was called like the Awesome Spear. I was like, oh well, that's the game that we're playing, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> oh, I got the Awesome Spear. I was like, uh, the, no. the Awesome Spear from fifteen sixty eight. 
I but, do. But but the, but it is fun because we had these moments where like we would start naming cars specifically based on the experience that we had had. Mm-hmm. And so I I am so excited to start start planning. It's we're not going to get to do it start until like January or something, which is not really a long time away, but it feels a long time away. Well, knowing that you're going to be getting into a game that is is multiple sessions, and you said like with your Betrayal Legacy, it took a long time to complete it. Uh, you know, this this one we started a year ago uh, after we finished Seafall of all Legacy games to have finished. We actually made it through Seafall. Oh, um, I've never even heard of that one. Um, it was kind of a bust of a game. It's it was uh, it was Rob Davio. I want to say 2016 had all the hype at the conventions that year, and it just I know. You can find it now on Amazon for like eleven dollars. It was probably MSRP eighty bucks. Um, it it was a flop, um, and for a number of reasons. And we'll do an episode that's spoilerific all about uh, our thoughts on Seafall at some point. Um, Clank is not without you know Legacy is not without its flaws. It's phenomenal. Um, you know we in our Seafall campaign and in other legacy games that I've played, oftentimes they'll they'll try and introduce narrative and Clank Legacy does that and it's done well. I, I appreciate them having the narrative in it, but there does come a point where Clank is a, a just a beautiful game based on that it's relatively quick moving. You know what you're doing, you're thinking of your next turn, buy the card, get the shuffle, draw the five. Um, there are times where legacy games are going to pause for you to read some story, pause to adjust some stickers or add some, you know, do something that's legacy like. And it's like, oh, my goodness, you know, th- th- we've had games where if it was two hours, I feel like 45 minutes of it was reading story and, you know, doing stickers and marking things up. That said, I'm willing to play this one again immediately after we after we finish it. We've had a blast with it. Yeah, I'm I'm super, super excited about it. Now, the thing that is was still hard all the way through Betrayal Legacy is ripping up a card or something. That and bothers like, you? I hear that often. And, and we went deep, like we didn't throw it away. Like we ripped it in half. Yes. Like just rip, and it would go around. And then at the end, after you finish Betrayal Legacy, there's like there is a thing that has been with you the whole game, and it's mm-hmm. like. And now destroy this thing. <laughs> like all of us like, oh, oh. Well, then it's real. That has emotional impact. You get invested into that thing. You know, that's something that you can't replicate, you know, pulling random one-off box off the shelf and playing one game and then putting it back on the shelf. That's what makes it a legacy game. That's what it, it, it took it. me like it took me playing that and then getting to, to do a preview of Divinus from Lucky Duck it's their mm-hmm. uh, tiling dice rolling thing and you you actually you put stickers on the boards and stickers on the tiles and actually on the dice you everyone has unique dice by the end of the game like cool it's not even a spoiler for that but you might have a die that is this die could be an 8 or a 2 on your six-sided die on this one face okay so, and you so you know it's only two 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 games of that and so we played both in one sitting we did the whole thing but you know it wasn't it didn't hurt me as much as i thought it would now i tell you what does hurt me is if yeah. you put that sticker in the book and you get the little pucker but putting a sticker on the board right on the seam so that it never you know it, it folds up in the board oh there there are things there are things about it that do bother me but yeah I, I love the fact that they put you in a position where you have to get rid of a component or alter a component forever that i mean that's what makes it a legacy game i i think most people by now they know if they 
you know, would love that or hate it. And I love the whole, the, the term now that people call it a green legacy, you know, it's the resettable, you know, you can. So we're thinking like oath, like a game where, you know, it'll change each time, but you're not actually destroying any components. Uh, et yeah, I think so. I, I was thinking, Oh gosh, I can't even think of them now. They, they were all in my head. Now I can't, well, even like the Venice, they have recharge packs. So you can get a recharge pack, or Charter Stone uh, has a recharge. Yeah, you can get the removable stickers. Mm-hmm. Or if you're a cheap butt like me, and Jaws the Lion, that little map board, mm-hmm. that's dry erase. Ah, uh, there you go. And so, so I, just, you know, because I'm like, I was like, well, I'll just sell this when I'm done, and I could sell a copy that doesn't have stickers on. So I'm sitting there with a little dry erase marker all over everything. Somebody again, there's all these smudges of, of, of dry erase marker. How dare you, sir. <laughs> I will use some hand sanitizer and get that off. My answer for going green with my legacy games is that we'll we'll keep all the pieces. Like if it says destroy, we'll we'll cross it off with a marker. Oftentimes we'll tear them in half, but I'll take the insert in the box and I'll just chuck them underneath it. And uh, two stories pertaining to this one of which is the first legacy game that we completed uh, was risk legacy and i'll put it in a picture frame oh that's cool as you can for, see for people me. who are just listening he, he's showing on his wall he has a frame and it's just a bunch of junk in a frame yeah basically but it's a it's a shadow box it's a shadow box so it's 3d and and i'll go and i'll take little pins and little things to make some stuff stick out more than others there's stacks of coins so i'll take all of those components and and basically make wall art and it doesn't look like art but it does i mean nobody's coming down to my basement not saying what's that i Tell can't wait till you that. played enough legacy games that you start putting it in the place the, the rental units uh, well i'm running out i got seafall over there i'm not going to show you that one because there's it's a mess in that corner i didn't do enough cleaning you said earlier today we're going to be on video and normally with just a microphone i have like furniture pads all around me i have a microphone box that tries to keep the sound okay i, I hope everything comes out nicely but it's a mess over there i'm not going to show you seafall the second story pertaining to that though and and this this might be going into spoiler territory. If you got to cut it, Will, that's, a, that's okay. But it's a spoiler for a 10-year-old game. Risk Legacy is 10 years ago. And you know they're coming out with a new Risk Legacy. I did. I saw that. But uh, apparently Davio is not involved at all. I heard that as well. But I'm still excited. You know, I, I'm sure that, I mean, the first one was good enough that, and uh, people other than Davio have made good Legacy yeah. games. I'm sure. And, you know, they've had well. 10 years to work on it. So. Exactly. Underneath, okay, the insert. When we would have to rip up a card, um, which Risk Legacy, of course, made you do, I'd pick up that insert and chuck it underneath there. So it was probably game four or game five. I Normally, I just like lift the edge a little bit, push the card in. You know where I'm going with this, don't you? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So I picked out that insert, and I, I grabbed it in the middle and pulled the whole thing out, and I saw the envelope underneath there. And my mind exploded. I saw that envelope and it says, never open this envelope. So I have my friends over, you know, we, we played game eight or whatever it was. Of Risk Legacy and I was like, all right, guys, I know something. And they're like, what? And I was like, look what I found. So I pulled that off and like, it was like, you know, uh, whenever they look in the box at the end of Pulp Fiction and they don't actually show you what's in there. It's just like this shine coming out of the world. Like we're all adults. We're almost 40, but we're all the basement like, yeah, actually, we had something similar in the betrayal legacy. We would do this whole thing. We're doing the same, throwing stuff under there, and then somebody said, "Go under the insert and get out the." And we're like, "What? Yes. How did we not even? And we've been picking the dumb thing up. We didn't even know it was there. 
I love it when games do that. Uh, I I heard Grim Forest did that as well. There's a yeah, something underneath yeah, the insert little, Grim the, Forest. Could, it had like the false bottom of the thing. Oh, clever! The, the one I had, like, I actually had to. I don't remember if it was under the top or under the bottom, but it was literally a false bottom that you peeled. So you take out the, the insert, it still looks like you're just looking at the bottom uh-huh, of the box. Yeah. Does does it ever tip you off to that in your game? But like, is it in the rule book somewhere in Grim Forest, or is it just like? Someone had think... to find it out. I'm going to start ripping apart the boxes of all my games. It was a long time. Like I would do un- unboxings. I don't do as many unboxings anymore, but where I would do that and I'd be like, hold up. And I'd be taking stuff out and like rubbing along the side. And people are like, what are you doing? I was like, well, there could be a secret. Got to see if there's something else in like, there. I found a secret once in a game. So clearly they all have secrets. Clearly with like Clank, it's just a little bit of a love, love fest though. Um, I'm jealous. It is. Almost finished. I can't wait to hear your thoughts when you get it started. Gosh, I, I hope you have a blast with it. Yeah. I pushed aside everything else I was painting. I was like, I'm painting this. We're playing. Just in oh, case we can play. To do. Yeah. Yeah. Just in case we can play now. It's got to be ready. You know, I do don't you have know. four people. I, we're doing ours with three. Are you going to have uh, is we're it going to have your wife? You're going to have four. Our full compliment. So the, the betrayal legacy group was, was five, but then one of them, he, he only was able to come maybe a third of the time and he's, mm-hmm. he's moving out of the state so we're just you know this one i because i thought about I was like and i looked it up i was like, oh i was like it's only four players guys and they're like well actually so and so he's moving to maryland so so it'll work out anyway yeah so i'm super excited about it um i'm super excited to uh you know have a drink play some games at pax absolutely um, you know i'm gonna get there and be like i don't know who this guy is security <laughs> get this guy out of here you're gonna snub me will come on <laughs> <laughs> um but uh so everybody you can check down in the description of either the video or the podcast you can find a link to level up board game podcast you got to say all of it at once you can't just call it level up that's what plebeians do right <laughs> the level up board game podcast yes <laughs> yeah. and um they are prolific they have a lot of episodes like you know how many episodes i'm gonna have to listen to by the time i finish this audiobook i'm on Thank you. We're uh, we just recorded forty uh, episode number forty. I've been doing this for two years. I'm on what seventeen now. Like <laughs> we do what we like to call a side quest. Goes off topic, uh, or it's an interview with a designer. We want to feature their game specifically, so we'll give them their their whole episode. Otherwise, we're biweekly, and every now and then we'll throw in one in between. So they're getting up there. Um, we're we're starting the next uh, the next season of the show, and and having a really good time doing it. So forty in, and hopefully uh, uh, At another least big number more, for right? this year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, and so, uh, but before before I let you go, yeah. leave us all with your words of gaming wisdom. Words of gaming wisdom. Okay. Oh, I actually have one. Scott does this to me at the end of our episodes, and I'm like, I have no idea. I don't know who said it. It might have been Rainer Knizia, and I didn't tell you that the part of our shtick is that we really try and capture audience input. We'll do polls, we'll do surveys, but the biggest thing is we even invite people to submit their audio. I will edit it. I will treat it. And I'll say, hey, Carol from Waikiki wants to tell us about the game she's been playing. Somebody responded to one of our questions that we had about playing optimally. And I think he quoted Kenizia in saying that the aim of the game is to win, but winning is not important. The aim is. And I thought, oh, that's love it that's your words of wisdom yeah. it's kind of from me but it's probably from Kenitsi. it's okay I, I'm, I'm gonna edit out the whole thing where you uh 
credited Knizia, and so everyone's just going to assume that 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 you're claiming that as your own. They're just, they're just going to fly in and be like, "How dare you? <laughs> how dare you do? That? Do you know how many games this man has made? What have you done? You've done forty podcasts. He did yeah. forty games last year. I talk about games. <laughs> <laughs> I talk about games not for a living. <laughs> no, definitely not for a living. It but, costs me money to talk about games. Yeah, right. Um, but uh, there you have it, folks. That is this episode of boards and brews again check the description for all the information and uh still going on you can get a free 60-day platinum membership to sovereignty digital game platform just follow the information down in the description as well thank you to them again for being our sponsor and as always if you enjoy this episode please like subscribe share whatever it is you got to do on your podcast thing and go check out level up board game podcast thank you so much for watching have a wonderful wonderful day Oh, you're out in California. I thought you were in the like Midwest somewhere. I had no idea. No, I'm I'm way too fancy to be in the Midwest. You kidding? Like I'm I got gonna... I got a game that looks like popcorn. Like that is fancy. Fancy here. Yeah, Slumlord, right? Basically. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm in a cold basement in southwestern Pennsylvania. And I have these old chairs down here. I always switch to one of the ones from upstairs because they don't they don't creak and i'm worried you're gonna have a video with a whole yeah. bunch of oh, chair that, 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 that's okay you know it's very cold here in san jose it's um, <laughs> i mean yeah i bet i bet oh i was down here in a t-shirt and i, I said to my wife I was like i gotta put on a hoodie or something i'm, I'm like shivering down there um, did you get a copy of gentle rain when they were sending that when the company no, was? no I'm, I'm the one oh oh you're the one yeah it seemed yeah. like everybody uh, I, I was like why did we get this we're we're not a thing well and the good thing about it is i have a friend and she has a five and eight year old and so now now it's my paying her back for everything she's ever done to me like i just mm -hmm. gave her her kids a catapult game oh geez like that's it all literally has a catapult they're gonna find rocks. pieces all throughout the house oh that's <laughs> funny have you really not played the that list i sent you because there's like wingspan terraforming mars you've played those nope really i i, I you know not to be fair, i've played the the wingspan app and I gave my friend Wingspan for his birthday right before lockdown happened. Mm. And Terraforming Mars, I just can't get excited about it. And there's a, the one time Fair. I was going to play was at Origins. And my buddy Matt, he signed up first. And then I, you know, an hour later, the slot was full. I was like, ah, oh, well, well, whatever. We can get a hold of it if you like it. Mm-hmm. And I did so. I, I played for three other games in that three and a half hour slot. When he came by after, I was like, "How was it?" He goes, "It was three and a half hours. We didn't finish. It shouldn't be that long." And I was yeah, like, that would nope. scare anyone away. Nope. <laughs> Hard pass. But yeah, I've never. I've heard of a lot of those games, but I really haven't played any of them. Yeah, he's cute. That's what I thought. Yeah. I mean, Scott. I don't know about that guy. Oh yeah. Oh Scott. No, I, that guy's cute. Scott's. Oh, nice. <laughs> Scott doesn't need to hear that. He is a handsome cat.